0: Sometimes I, like, do shows, and other times I'm, like, possessed by shows. And this show, particularly the first call, would be one of the latter. I had a caller from Venezuela, which is currently going through a god-awful socialist nightmare that's generally underreported by the generally lefty press. And I let rip in a way that I have scarcely ever done before. I hope that you will check that out. Second caller is a fine young black man who is studying physics. And he wants to know if it's worth calling out some black activists he disagrees with when they come to visit his black college. And it's a big question and it's a good question. We had a great chat about that. And the third caller wanted to know whether government schools or public schools would be a great place for his children to be socialized. And also, how much screen time should children get, toddlers get? Great questions. Um, I think he came out of the conversation with a slightly different perspective, which I appreciate. So thanks, everyone, so much for listening, for supporting at freedomainradio.com slash donate. Very, very important. Please come by and help us out, freedomainradio.com slash donate. Uh, Follow me on Twitter, of course, at Stefan Molyneux. And please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share the videos.
1: All right. Well, up for us today, we have Gabriel. He wrote in and said, What can we do to stop the spread of the disease of socialism within Venezuela? What are the best arguments against socialism when talking to uncultured people and or young children? That is from Gabriel, who lives in Venezuela. Welcome to the show. All right,
0: thanks. Gabriel, before we get into the theory, how's the practice going? What's going on in Venezuela these days? Uh, I mean,
2: a lot more
0: than the horrors that we read about online.
2: Uh, a lot and the media the international media isn't covering anything at all that, about what truly happens in Venezuela um the other day about uh the last week actually uh before I was gonna do the show uh I couldn't get in uh, long story uh Maduro was uh like um The National Assembly said that he was no longer the president and the National Assembly should have the power to do that, to say that Maduro is not president uh, because he abandoned the charge because normally every 5th of January, uh, the president uh, goes to the National Assembly and tells uh, the people what he did all year and he didn't do it and he was absent for three more days because he was in I don't know a Central American country where another leftist president was being elect Uh, so basically Maduro was not president but he doesn't give a fuck and he we're basically living in a dictatorship Uh, media doesn't cover that either Uh, national media doesn't cover that either just because they are afraid and they should Uh, thanks to Chavez uh, he centralized all power Uh, they can get away with whatever they want whenever they want Uh, and I don't know you should ask me about specific stuff because if I if you ask me in general I'm just gonna keep talking talking talking
0: I you know, I got no problem with that. Uh, I, I know that uh, even even getting food is, is crazy. Uh, I, I've heard people spending 36 hours driving to Brazil to get groceries, parents having to give up their kids because they can't afford to feed them, I mean, just some pretty mental stuff. Yeah, that, I, mean, I mean,
2: in my 19 years of life, I've been to a good parts of Venezuela. I've been with rich people, I've been with poor people. But in my 19 years of life, I've never seen a kid eating straight from the carpet. And I saw that uh, like a month ago. It's uh, There are streets here, like designed streets for, for street vendors that sell food. And when you go to eat, uh, the kids will, will gather up to your table and ask you for food. Um, right. uh, it's really hard, man. Uh, I, I was. I wanted to break my question in like three parts. Uh, I also wanted to ask a personal question: uh, Is what can I do to cope with living in Venezuela with depression? Uh, because it's getting to the point where I feel defeated. I make. Um, got paid today, I made two dollars in a week, two US dollars, and food doesn't cost uh, $20, it uh, costs a lot. Uh, people have to do lines of over, uh, uh, what can I say, 80, ni- 18 hours or 20 hours. Uh, people have died, all people have to do lines for food. Uh, And I
0: was reading how uh, there's a BBC reporter who was uh, shooting video and uploading the video to YouTube of Venezuelans waiting in line to get groceries and the Venezuelan government threatened to throw him in jail if he didn't delete the video. Because, you know, yes. it doesn't matter that people are in line. What matters is that people can see that people are in line. This is completely mad.
2: Yeah, it's uh, – for example, what I'm doing here, talking to you about Venezuela and what's happening, I could get in uh, – in Sabine is like uh, – or NSA or CIA. And yeah, yeah. I could get uh, – just for doing this call, um, even if you don't publish it, I could get in a list of terrorism and I could go to jail just because of for what I'm saying. Uh, that's how far it goes. Uh, in 2014, when when the protest, when the biggest protest of all Venezuela was happening, everybody was on the street. Uh, the media couldn't cover anything. They shut down two channels. Uh, when somebody published something on Twitter, which was, which was the main source of news or or information. Uh, they got uh, communication from the Sabine telling them to delete the information, or they would go to jail. Most people went to jail. Uh, they're still in jail. And uh, well, you get some
0: food in jail, right?
2: Uh, nope. <laughs>
0: no food uh, in jail.
2: Funny story. Uh, well, yes, you get food, but there is not even enough food for for themselves, for the government to to run. Prisons. Uh, and there are, in Venezuela, there are like, uh, a, there are a few prisons for a lot of uh, criminals. And they, for example, Sabanetica is designed for no more than 4,000 inmates and they have like 25,000.
0: Wow. Um, so I guess everyone's in a kind of inadvertent hunger strike these days, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's hard living here, actually. Uh, a lot of people Well
0: it's for a lot of people it's it's becoming downright impossible. Yes. And it's... you and you're trapped, right? How the hell do you get out? Uh... I mean uh, all modern countries are like soft or hard jails, right? I mean you, you just kinda oh I don't like this country. I'm gonna move to some new country. Uh we're all but but at least in most places they're jails with enough to eat. Soft yes. jails with enough to eat.
2: But getting out of, of Venezuela if you don't have any money it's impossible for me for example i uh, the government controls all us dollars you can't you can get them in a black market and people who sell them but from the government you're not getting shit okay the government isn't giving you shit unless you're with them you know, unless your your uncle is uh, uh, is a national guard or something and you for example if you want to get out you have to sell your house your car uh, a kidney whatever you need to get out and it's not even sure you're not even sure if other countries are going to accept you because there has been mass immigration from Venezuelans to other countries due to this crisis and not a lot of countries are taking that well for example in Panama and Colombia there are a lot of uh, protest or not protests, like marches against Venezuelans because they're overflowing the the these countries.
0: Sure. Well, I, I think if I remember rightly, Barack Obama, thankfully ex president, uh, shut down immigration from Venezuela because I mean there would have been a flood, right? A complete
2: flood. Yes, and it's partially because Venezuelans are pretty stupid and the my question was what can we do to stop the spread of the disease of socialism and what arguments we can use against uh, uncultured people and our young children because people in venezuela have no culture they don't know history they don't they don't like reading they don't like learning and i'm i'm not very smart i'm i'm average You seem to average. be doing fine to me <laughs> <laughs> and but uh People here don't, don't uh, go further. They just read the first title, the first title they, they read, and, and they oh, nice. Thanks, information. And they, they don't go deeper than that. They are pretty shallow and stupid. And I think that's what the crisis is all about, about stupidity. And if people knew what socialism was, uh, this wouldn't have happened.
0: Well, I, I think people do know what socialism is. I mean, I, I'm not saying like the average
2: no, 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 no.
0: Venezuelan peasant, uh, but uh, in the West, I mean, there's a reason why this isn't being reported much uh, on in America uh, and and in other places. The British have been reporting about it a little bit, but there's a reason why.
2: Because they want to establish a leftist government.
0: Well, yeah, because uh, it's um, uh, because it's uh, it's a bunch of lefties in the media. And the lefties in the media don't want to talk about Venezuela because it's another goddamn example of the horrors of socialism. So they don't want to talk about it. Especially the leftist media were like crazy keen on Chavez, right? Yes. uh... I mean, Naomi Klein wrote this whole book called, what, The Shock Doctrine about how terrible it was to establish capitalism in Chile and, oh, what a (laughs) wonderful thing. You know, I mean, it's it's, uh, they were really licking the NFI of Chavez, top down, back to front. They don't care about the poor. I mean, they don't care. If you cared about the poor, you would be all over this. And, of course, what they do say, well, see, they're still trying to blame capitalism for all this shit, right? Oh, you said, the problem is, you see, the oil price declined. Well, guess what? Oil prices declined all over the world. Not all the world is turning into Venezuela. Exactly. Oil prices are declining in Alberta. But people in Alberta aren't selling their children for food.
2: Exactly, and so, funny thing, you know, when in 2008, when the 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 the, uh, the oil prices were a hundred dollars a pop, uh, you, I didn't see Venezuela flowing or just uh, glowing with riches. No, I just saw the same people getting richer and richer. And sure. I I have uh, an uncle that's a national guard, but I don't get nothing from him because I don't usually talk to him, just on New Years and what's whatever, yeah. and uh, it's so hard uh, talking about this because you you don't know uh, who can get this information. Uh,
0: well, who who might turn you in, right? Who might get you in trouble?
2: Yeah. Yes, 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 obviously.
0: Uh, Spies are everywhere. That's how they keep us apart, right? No,
2: but actually the Sabine is actually spying because one of my uncles was a Sabine officer, and he told me uh, when, when, like a year after he was working with them, he told me, Gabriel, uh, be careful with what you post. And I was like, oh, he's just giving me the top-down uh, talk about uh, I shouldn't post private stuff on the Internet. And then he told me, Gabriel... They took down a house uh, with two kids of 16 years old and they put him in jail because they said they wanted to take down the government. And I didn't believe him at first, I, I thought he was, he was bad shit. But then I saw the kids and he showed me the pictures and I was like, oh shit, it's for real. Uh, 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 The Sabine spies on everybody, they know what everybody does, they know everything. Uh, But still murders go unsolved, 98% of murders in Venezuela go unsolved. Uh, Last year we had 28,000 murders and uh, well that's what the beauty of socialism and chavismo uh, brought to Venezuela and at least 24 newborn kids die every day in hospital because there's no there's nothing in the hospitals really That's there's nothing in Venezuela left actually this is a shithole
0: right when I mean I know you're a young man but obviously you're pretty well read when do you think uh, this all started to to shift to, to change it wasn't always like this at least not the whole way along right
2: no, I think it went south in twenty uh, uh twenty uh sorry two thousand and seven when chavez won his uh his third or second mandate against yep. Manuel manuel rosales he that's when when i th- when i saw that that uh the whole Chavismo thing and the yeah. and the socialism and revolutionary and believer and stuff. Or I call it stuff because to call it ideology is just plain disgusting to me. Uh uh that's when I saw that it was mean like spot on, like Chavez painted everything red. Red was everything. Um uh, he started uh expropriating a lot of companies, at least three thousand in 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 a year. Uh most of the companies were sold to the Chinese people because we basically are now uh China's little patio or what do you call it, like backyard. Um we I don't even know how much Debt there is in Venezuela because how much this guys uh, fucked it. They they took so much money from the Chinese and Russians that I don't. There's not even records uh, like legal records from the government that you can get and see how much debt there is. Um, and yes, I think it's around 2007 when Chavez went completely batshit socialism crazy and started expropriating things like crazy. Uh, Those companies are not producing anything. I live like, uh, I don't know, like a kilometer away from like 10 companies that produce rice, uh, oil, like cooking oil and sugar. And there's no rice. So what they do is for example my state is in charge of about 70% of the food in venezuela they gather it up and they take it to caracas because caracas is the capital and while you keep the people happy in the capital nothing happens and that's what
0: well they they also they wanted to get the army to be in charge of collecting and distributing the food yes and uh, of course the usual thing happened that the army stole the food and now sells it on the black market i mean the usual
2: Yes. Nightmare
0: uh, that happens with these kinds of situations.
2: Um, for example, my my stepfather, which is uh, my, also my employer, uh, he is the one that buys food for us. Uh, he buys it from a guy that buys it from a national guard. Right. And the national guard gets it directly from the government. Right. So, it's, and the uh, farmers
0: are hoarding, and the farmers don't want to sell because the money is fairly worthless, and um, the, the yes. most valuable thing they have is food, and so they're hoarding it, which means the government has to go in and try and find it, playing cat and mouse. Like, and I'm sorry to sound like it's boring. Uh, for those who've studied history, it's the same damn story over and over again, though the human exactly. suffering is new for everyone, right?
2: Yes, but actually the farmers are not hoarding because there is nothing – there's no seeds to produce. And the, the little – Oh, the, far-
0: even the farmers don't have food.
2: No, even the farmers don't have food. And the little farmers that have food, they sell it as uh, animal food, like cat and dog food, because it's Mm. more worth. Because when you, for example, you have a cow, that cow gives you like 100 kilos of meat, okay? Mm. You can either give those 100 kilos of meat to the government, they're going to give you uh, shit for that, and you can take that shit and die because that's basically it uh, or you can turn in it into cat food or dog food and sell it to dog owners who huh. want to give their dogs life and it's way worth way more worth that uh well so you're
0: better off selling like and it's a I mean to to take a sort of silly example up up here in Canada you can get an MRI for a dog way faster than you can the MRI for a human being right?
2: Mhm exactly because well, anyway, for, uh, speaking of Canada, uh, I heard that uh, like a year ago my I have an, a, uh, a cousin that lives there and her mom got cancer and they told me they had to flee to the United States because the, the healthcare in Canada is not so good as I heard. And
0: Oh yeah, no, it's, it's uh, I mean, I know that story very well so I sympathize and I understand.
2: Yeah, and and they had to flee to the United States, and well, in Venezuela, her mom would have died because that's what happens with people with cancer here—they just die. There's there's no sure. way of, of
0: and, and horribly painfully, right?
2: Yes, because there's no way to get medic uh,
0: or even painkillers.
2: No, nothing. You can, I mean, yes, you might be lucky and find a, an aspirin for your headache, but that's it. That's about it. I had diarrhea for like two months. I lost like 10 kilos because I couldn't find uh, this specific uh, pill that the doctor gave me. Uh, ah, that's another thing. Uh, thanks to the free healthcare that Chavez brought with the Cubans. Uh, because Cuba is the most advanced country in terms of medicine because they are so doing so well. Uh sarcasm uh, one Cuban doctor almost killed my grandfather actually because he gave them the wrong pills for his tension and for his blood pressure and that's kind of nice uh, what else uh, my friend got in a bike accident uh, like three months ago he went to a to a free healthcare like central thingy where there there are there are a lot of Cubans there, and uh, they told him, oh, no, you're fine. They didn't even do an, a scan on him. No, he thought, oh, well, Superman, Cuban Superman just saw my arm and told me he, I was fine. <laughs> X-ray vision. Right. Uh, yeah. So he went uh, two days after to a clinic, to a private clinic. And they they did x ray him and he had a broken arm. And the doctor told him, If you have gotten here about eight hours later, we would have to cut your arm. And
0: They'd have to do what?
2: They they would they would have had to cut his arm. Oh amputate his arm completely. Yes. Because Jesus Because the 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 bro the the bone was broken and it got infected and it's oh, a, God!
0: Yeah, you once you get gangrene, uh, out comes the chainsaws, right? Yes. So. No, and I I get these messages too. I got a message from a guy in England saying, "Oh yeah, my aunt came to visit. She came off the plane from England, and she was grey and and looked exhausted. And she said, oh no, I'm just I'm, the doctor says I'm just stressed.' He, turns out she had some you know, basic deficiency. They ran a couple of tests, and you know, in a couple of weeks, she's back up and fine, full of energy and health and vigor. And oh no, it's uh. I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible, terrible, terrible stuff. But, of course, it takes a long time for things to get this bad. And once they do, and I don't, you know, I, I'm really mindful of your, your question, right? I mean, how the, how the hell do you talk about this stuff with people mm-hmm. in a way that, that can can mean something, can help?
3: Exactly.
0: And, uh, I mean, the the people that you talk to, I mean, I'm going to assume that they recognize... That things are going in the crapper, right? That they need yes. something. Something needs to change right now. But but what do they think needs to change? Is it like oh, throw the bums out? Let's get some new bums. Is it that kind of stuff? Or no, what do they, they what do they think?
2: People here uh, think that the opposition, or what I call or uh, what people call opposition, they are gonna change everything. They're gonna uh, people here in Latin America have this uh, messiah uh, ideology that. They're they going to struggle but one day there's going to be a guy that's going to solve all their problems and they're going to hold hands with them and they're going to sing the national anthem and be happy. So they think that the opposition, which are a bunch of socialist populist fucks as the government, uh, they're going to fix everything and they're not going to. They are basically the same shit but suffer. Uh, yeah. I just feel impotent, like, because I could speak in front of a large crowd and they would they wouldn't give a fuck because that that's how stupid people are in Venezuela. If they don't. Well, see, you've got.
0: I mean, it's an average IQ of what 86,
2: uh, I something think like that. And I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to dip it lower than that. Uh, yeah,
0: that's probably a while back when there was still smart smarter people left in the country. Right? I mean, when the smart people get out of the country, then. Uh, you get just a little bit of a dip, on the average, yeah. and that's much worse than the than the mathematics suggest. Sorry, go ahead.
2: No, no, it's okay. You can interrupt. Uh, uh, what was I saying? Oh yes. Well, people here think that obviously we have to get rid of socialism, but they don't know what the opposition brings to the table. They don't know that sure. the opposition is socialist, and they are the same <laughs> populist fucks that these people they're they're doing the same shit okay so populists yeah. have this this vicious cycle of of having three enemies and and telling the people that they're going to fix their problems and they're going to hold hands they're they're going to be their friends and then making those people way stupid and way more stupid and and keep doing that and doing that and that's how they they stay in power and they have been doing that since 1958 when Marcos Perez Jimenez who was a dictator but that dictator brought to Venezuela the best age of Venezuela I mean the Bolivar was was even was at the same price of a dollar of a new US dollar okay so that's a lot he started all The roads in Venezuela, and when the when these fucks, these Democrats, I I also think the democracy fucked the West for when these Democrats came to Venezuela in 1958 and they established what it's today the the government of Venezuela. uh, They they said, "Oh no, we can't finish this. This is too much." He was crazy. But he wasn't. He it was actually pretty simple, just building roads. I mean, and, and roads today are fucking a mess. They're, it's like walking on the moon. There are fucking craters.
0: Right. Right. Sorry, uh, eighty-four, not eighty-six. That didn't just actually go down while we were talking, although although maybe. But 80, 84 is the average IQ in Venezuela. Mm. And and of course you get a represent. You get one person, one vote. The fewer intelligent people there are in society, the worse democracy is. Exactly. I mean, if everyone's got an IQ, average IQ of 100, then it's not so bad. It's bad, but not that bad. Or rather, it's a slow motion crash. But when the IQ is lower for the vast majority of the population, and you get a democracy, then the dead weight of idiots just completely crushes the life out of the innovative, the intelligent, the ambitious, the creative, the intelligent, right? And it's, like, uh, it's like watching uh, the tide come in on a beach fire, <laughs> <laughs> except I guess the the, rock, the, the, the the burning sticks can get up and run, I suppose. But, um, and, and it's a vicious circle, right? Because when the, the tide of, of unintelligence begins to sweep over the intelligent, they see it coming. They get the hell out. Exactly. And then... You, your IQ goes down, which means worse policies get enacted, which drives even the mediocre intelligent people out. And then, well, you know, right? And then they have to put all these controls to prevent people from getting out. Uh, but that doesn't make them nationalistic, right? The, the few remaining intelligent people, they're just apathetic and trapped, right?
2: Yeah, They're just stupid. They just don't know that they're not free. They, they don't have higher aspirations of life than just... Getting up, eating, shitting, going going to sleep. That's basically what most people in Venezuela think life is.
0: And there is this funny. It's this funny. It's sort of this. I don't know if it's a Latin America or a Central American thing or whatever. But it's something I've noticed in my travels. Um, in, in the region is that there is this kind of claustrophobic chumminess. Ah, my friend. We'll be friends. We'll be pals. And you know, hey, where's my wallet? You know, there's this. <laughs> kind of i've noticed this a little bit in the middle east as well ah if and like they're your friend they're just instant friends <laughs> everyone's friendly and, and, and then b- bad, bad things happen
2: yeah after well, that. that's that happens a lot with foreigners because they get for example if you were to come to venezuela and they saw you 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 you're pretty white you they, you look very, white sorry you look like white, a, yeah. like a white dad you know uh, wait
0: I smell freckle. I, <laughs> um, I must befriend the freckle bearer. <laughs> so well, this is not funny. Go on.
2: Uh, you, uh, you look white. You, they see that you came from the flight of Canada, and they see, oh, he, here's there, he comes here comes a guy from Canada. He must have U.S. dollars. Because he's going on case. Well, the
0: women too, it's like, hey, if I can bag this guy, I get a visa out of here, right?
2: Exactly. Uh,
0: Look, my sexual market value has been driven up by socialism.
2: <laughs> That's the only good thing you're going to get out of socialism. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, for example, an Egyptian, uh, a guy from Egypt, uh, Egypt uh, got killed outside the airport because... Somebody thought he had US dollars in his bag. He didn't have shit. So I wouldn't re- I wouldn't recommend Venezuela in your traveling list anytime soon. Give it at right. least three generations.
0: Right. What's the um what's the online world for Venezuela? I mean, do people have these cell phones? Do they get online? Is it is it still fairly rare?
2: Mm, okay. We have the shittest internet in the world. We have the second slowest, actually. The first is like North Korea or some shit. But we have the You're same. after
0: North Korea?
2: Yeah, we're after tell, North tell Korea. Me,
0: tell me, does the government run the internet access? Yes. Ah, there we go. All right.
2: Okay, All so right. They're, they're the only ISP for the other ISPs. Do, do you get right. me? Because there's yeah, like yeah, Kantebe that's owned by the government, right? But there's also Intercable, which is a private company. So... Intercable has to have a, like a bridge of internet. I'm talking really stupid. I don't know why. Like a bridge of internet, right? So, but only Canteve has it and Canteve is from the government and only they can allow other people to have internet. So Intercable is a private company. They offer you internet. But it's the same shit. Um, right. I take days to allow something uh, I have the the fastest plan, and it's 10 megabits. That's all, 10 megabits in 2017. Mm. 10 megabits. And, and
0: do you even get the 10? I mean, that's advertised, right? At but night. What do you actually
2: At night. I get, oh, at night you do, right? At night, sometimes. But in the day, I get barely like one or two.
0: Right. Well, the question... I guess, is, as you have sort of pointed out, how the hell do you talk to people about all of this, right? Yes. Um, people with, like, an IQ of 84, they're like 10 or 11 or 12-year-olds, sort of, right? I mean, there's a reason why less intelligent people are so susceptible to father figures because, in many ways, they remain uh, exactly. children,
2: Exactly.
0: right? And how do you convince children to go it alone, that, that they should be free, that, you know, I mean, it's a it's
2: scary a tough for them it's scary.
0: It is, yeah, it is they are very willing to flock to protectors which is why people who want to rule humanity love importing uh, lower IQ cultures into I mean, they just, they'll constantly bleat out and beg like hungry birds for food from the state for so, someone to come along and organize their lives how do you convince people of the value of freedom? It is a big, it is a big question. Um, because you get this entitlement mentality that the government owes you. And, and, if you, you know, and, and if the government doesn't provide for you. See, for me, if the government doesn't provide for me, I don't like the government that much anymore. You know, if if I've been paying God knows how much into a healthcare system, and then that healthcare system is not saving me and is, in fact, endangering my life, my my thought is not, well, we just need to have a slightly better healthcare system. My thought is, well, this sucks. And, and, you know, trying to figure out why it sucks and whether anything can be done. But that's, of course, a more intelligent response. The idea that you swap out the leaders and you gain paradise, that, of course, is uh, uh, an immature conceptualization of the challenges that a country faces, right?
2: Yeah, i think that venezuela needs uh like a, a, a needs a dictatorship with a a good dictatorship keep it take it with a grain of salt uh i need we need i think i think we what would fit this country perfectly would be a nationalist uh libertarian uh, hmm. i think uh, that would bring the shine into Venezuela a little bit, just a little bit.
0: Right. Well, I mean, the, the question is, I mean, and, and this sort of goes back to democracy as a whole. Uh, when democracy was first introduced, uh, the idea of it being unlimited for everyone, like everyone gets a vote and, and uh, there's no intelligence test or anything like that. I mean, that was pretty incomprehensible for people as a whole. And I remember, the, I mean, so oh, uh, uh, Greece or Athens, the birthplace of democracy with the vast majority of people in many areas of those they were slaves and couldn't vote. Women couldn't vote. And in America, you had to be a property owner. And this is the way it worked in England, too. You had to be a property owner, like sort of lower middle class, middle class. Right. And the basic idea was you have to have some property to give a shit about property. Right? Exactly. If you don't have any property, why would you care about property rights if you're Broke. If you're poor, if you're destitute, you don't care about property rights. I mean, trying to sell property rights to poor people is like trying to sell birth control to an 80-year-old man. Well, 80-year-old woman, even more appropriate. I guess an 80-year-old man can still get someone pregnant, although Lord knows what comes what kind of reptile comes out of that cave. So this idea that you had to have some property to care about property rights. That you could not have a stable society with a government and voting if there were no restrictions on who could vote. This argument was made repeatedly for thousands of years. You say, well, if you give poor people the vote, well, all they do is they vote to take away the property of rich people and everyone becomes poor. And lo and behold, we see it unfolding over and over and over again, all over, over the. Now, I don't, I don't blame the Venezuelans for this. I, I certainly am not going to blame people with an IQ of eighty-four. Right? I mean, that's that to me is not, it's not reasonable to to do that. I mean, they're, they're not even children. See, children are. Appropriate, like a 12-year-old is is a 12-year-old. It's appropriate for them to have that mentality. But if you're an adult with the intellect of a 12-year-old, it's strange, right? A 12-year-old, you know, can't vote. A 12-year-old can't sign contracts. A a 12-year-old usually can't get married and have uh, children. But when you're an adult with the mentality of a 10 or 11 or 12 or 13-year-old, things are an entirely different matter and very, uh, very risky. So uh, you know, I thought long and hard about this question, which means that if I screw it up, it's on me. <laughs> so the, the, I think the first thing to recognize is 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 to find where is the fault. Where does the fault lie in all of this? And the fault lies. Um, the fault lies in, in the libertarians, because the leftists have been working and fighting, and you know. Leftism, they never sleep. They keep working. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll push you until you're just about to rebel and revolt, and then they'll ease back a bit until you say, okay, well, I guess they're done. And then when your guard is down, they'll push more legislation, push more control over property through all of this stuff. The leftists are like manic, compulsive. You know, it's like watching somebody with OCD, uh, hand-washing OCD, uh, shake hands with a mud monster. <gasps> <gasps> they, they just constantly trying to expand their their power base. And I, for many years, although I don't bother anymore because I, I've got it loud and clear from the libertarians that they sure like working their mouth holes to make sounds, but actually doing things that change things and matter. <gasps> no. <laughs> no. So the leftists uh, have been infiltrating the mindset of the world, of, of the media, of the universities of governments, of course, of uh, movie studios and novel-writing houses and publishers of every kind and the internet and blah de blah right? So, for me, what has been the problem? Well, the problem has been that the left is just more serious. The left is just more dedicated. The left is just more willing to sacrifice for their own uh, ideals. I recognize that the left... Are very good at entertaining people. Very good at at making jokes. Very good at uh, you know telling stories. Very good at a lot of times. Very good at public speaking, and they appeal to the sentiments that we all start with, right? This is one of the reasons why leftism is so seductive for people because we all start that way. I mean, if we all spent eighteen years of our life as pure capitalists, then. When people came to talk to us about capitalism, we'd be like, well, yeah, I get that. <laughs> I, was, I was born in the free market. I was suckled by the free market, raised by the free market. The free market washed my binky and <laughs> kept my teddy bear clean. But, of course, we all start dependent on uh, authority, which controls us and gives us stuff. I mean, there's childhood for everyone, for everyone. Now, speaking personally. I have taken it as a very grave and deep and powerful responsibility to fight for freedom. I have sacrificed a lot. I have taken some body blows. I have been insulted and slandered a lot. And I, I do it because I care about freedom. I care about people. I care about the poor in Venezuela. And I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is. I'm willing to put my, you know, pretty lucrative business career, just set fire to it and throw it aside. (laughs) It's not like I didn't have 25 years invested in it or anything, but hey, it's okay (laughs) because I can get a camera. And I will make silly jokes. I will pull funny faces. I will sing songs. I will engage. I will rage. I will. Uh, King Lear-like, tear my heart out and hold it up for a beating world to see and smile and scorn and snarl at. Because that's what it takes. Because that's what it takes. And the left, do it every day. Single-minded, monomaniacal pursuit of falsehood, of manipulation, of propaganda, of sophistry, of attacks. They are willing to attack people and try to get them fired, try and get them in trouble. They're willing to do all of that because they really give a shit about their belief system. They're willing to go full-on balls to the wall to get what they want. No quarter asked, no quarter given. Well, no, they do ask for quarter because they are terrible crime bullies, so the moment you turn their tactics on them, they're really sad. But they're like a no-compromise guided missile of bottomless, addictive power-seeking. And that's what the fuck we're up against. And what do we have? Well, we don't have the universities. We don't have the mainstream media. We don't have Hollywood. We don't have the theater world. We don't have the art world. We don't have the publishing world. The list goes on and on. And so what do we do? Well, what we should do is get really, really, really good at what we do. I'm really good at this. That doesn't come about by accident. That comes about by taking risks. That comes about by committing and knowing the stakes of what the hell I'm doing. And libertarians as a whole aren't willing to put their balls to the wall, to go the extra mile, to go the extra light year, if that's what's necessary, to get the message across. You know, (laughs) many years ago, I was criticized because I said, look, if you're a libertarian, having status in your life is really hypocritical because status wants you thrown in jail for being free, for following your conscience. You know, some people got it, but a lot of people were like, oh, that's terrible. You can't possibly do... Uh, I mean, you can't possibly think that, that we should take our values and actually live them as if they're true and live them consistently. I, 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 I can't even... I, I mean, they just turned full social justice warrior, hysterical, paranoid <laughs> attack mode because I said, this shit is important. It matters. And if you understand this stuff, you owe it to the future. You owe it to the young. You owe it to the idiots. You owe it to everyone in Venezuela and all around the world. You owe it to live this shit like it matters because it does. Because right now in Venezuela, all those who said, well, you know, I don't want to put my personal relationships to the test of my values because that would be crazy. Well, families are separating because people are dying. Families are separating because people are fleeing. And families are separating because people are being murdered. And families are separating because the mothers have to sell their children or give them away. The family breaks Anyway, the family breaks anyway. And if you put things on the line and you live, your fucking values are like they really, really matter. Which is what the left does. The left says, oh, you got a boyfriend who's a Trump supporter? Dump him. You got friends who are Trump supporters? Ditch them. They get it. They get it. You know, if you want to win, do what the people who are winning have done. It's not that complicated. They've won and they've won and they've won and they've won won for like 200 fucking years, they have won. I take. By far, the biggest intellectual, moral, and politically correct risks in the movement, in my humble opinion. Now, other people do other things, and I, it, it's not a better or worse thing. Everybody has what they're good at. The great Lauren Southern, whose book is number one in Canadian fiction nonfiction. Good for her. Good on you, <laughs> mate. Lauren Southern gets shoved. Gavin McGinnis gets into a fist fight. Mike Cernovich gets pepper sprayed. Mike Cernovich wants to throw a party. The deplorable. Hey, everybody, We've got a great victory in our hands. Let's get together, Let's have some drinks. Let's have some dancing, let's hear some great speeches. Let's have some fun. And you know what the assholes on the left do? They're going to drop acid into the HVAC system, allegedly. Well, it's on video. (laughs) They're going to throat punch people. And they get it. Now, please understand, I'm not advocating any violence. Nothing I've ever done could even remotely be construed as advocating violence. I advocate integrity, which is even harder than violence. Why is Venezuela dying? Because society looks at people who want to change anything fundamental as extremely dangerous and unstable elements. And you know what? They're right. They should. They should look at those people. And most people in this world have zero capacity to evaluate moral or or philosophical or political ideologies or propositions or hypotheses or theories or arguments of any kind. Of any kind. Now, given that society doesn't like change. Change is very risky. Oh, yes, you might get the American Revolution, but you also might get the French Revolution, where you end up guillotining nuns. You also might end up with the Russian Revolution, which costs the lives of tens upon tens of millions of people. So when you come along and you say, things need to change right down there in the funda- foundations, right down there in the fundamentals, things need to change. People look at you like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, Nelly, slow down there, big fella. <laughs> How do I know you believe in what you say? Maybe this is all just bullshit. You know, maybe it's like the guy who goes to the car, he works for Ford and he says, Fords are the best cars ever made. Found on road, dead nonsense. Fords are the best. Oh, wait. Oh, I got, sorry. I got another job offer from Mercedes. Let me start that again. Mercedes are the best cars ever, right? How do you know? How do you know? You can't judge the ideology because you're an idiot and you're untaught. You can't judge the arguments because you're an idiot and you're untaught. So, what do you do? The only thing you can judge is the commitment of the adherents. Did Christianity become the official religion of the Roman Empire because Christ had such? Compelling arguments? Of course not. Why did Christianity become the official religion of the Roman Empire? Because the Christians were willing to be eaten by lions. They were all in. They were all fucking in. And again, I'm not talking about. Initiating the use of force. Mike Cernovich fights like a tiger. Roger Stone says that he was poisoned. The CDC confirms it. Mike Cernovich is a gladiator using the whips and chains of everything legal and peaceful in his arsenal to get things done, to expose people, to call people out. They're all in because they get it. They understand. Mike Sonovich says, the left want us in camps. And not the Bill Murray kind either. He gets it, he's all in. I admire and respect these people more than I can possibly say. I take my risks, they take their risks, but we are all in. The fight is won not by truth. The fight is is not won by evidence. The fight is not won by reasoning. The fight is not won by eloquence alone. The fight is won by one thing and one thing only. The fight is won by commitment. By commitment. Leftists are committed. 700 people were arrested in Washington today, Inauguration Day. For Donald J. Trump. They're all in. And they're not protesters. They're just vandals. I mean, this is not... (sighs) I watched some videos. And they're chanting. And they're so bad at chanting. I don't even know what they're saying. Fuck this, fuck that. I don't even know what they're saying. Some stupid, rhythmic... Simeon chant that's on one side on the other side was the jaw-droppingly beautiful harmonies of a series of choirs and choirs of angels sing thee to thy rest that's what you have on one side On the other side, they sound like angels, these choirs. The video I saw today was of one of these ridiculous bandannad protesters, thugs, smashing a newspaper dispenser, I think it was. I don't know what the hell it was. He had a rock, and he was smashing it with a rock. Yes, my friends. That's where they're at, screaming, mindless, empty slogans and hitting things with rocks. Hitting things with rocks and yelling. Yeah, yeah, just like John Locke would.
2: Yeah, I guess just like
0: Aristotle I... would. <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 I guess I want to take the fight to the, to the printed press now. Probably.
0: (laughs) How should we disperse them, sir? Should we use water cannons? No! Hold up job applications and library cards. They will scatter like cockroaches. Sorry, that's an insult too. cockroaches, which uh, I hear are quite clean. Look at Milo. Milo Yiannopoulos. Golden-haired hero of the right. Has to travel with private professional security. Regularly faces untold numbers of threats and um, dangerous. and Coulter. How many death threats does she receive? She laughs it off. The left needs to be exposed for what they are which is those with a tendency to criminality in general. This is according to a researcher I recently had on the show. And if you comply with violence, you are hiding the violence. So the fault is not those on the left. Those on the left have their ideology. Hell, maybe it's their biology. If the RK stuff is to be believed, the stuff that I talked about in Gene Wars just a biological organism of dullness and resentment and rage and criminal tendencies. It's just that gene set trying to reproduce. And how do you stop it? Well, you stop it with integrity. You stop it by making it more painful to be a leftist than to not be a leftist. My solution is ostracism. My solution is ostracism. I talked to a caller the other day Met a woman. She was so pretty. So pretty. So pretty, he ended up fucking her and his integrity at the same time. And she was a relativist and a socialist and a, you know, called him racist and kind of a wicked. Anyway, everything against his values. And he's like, yeah, but she's pretty well, okay, then Venezuela is your fucking fault. Literally your fucking fault. (laughs) Right? Don't be friends with these people. Expose them for who they are. Legally, peacefully, but consistently. And unapologetically. And as Nietzsche says, if you stand up against a tribe, there may be times where you're scared, maybe times where you're anxious, but no. Price is too high to pay for the privilege of owning yourself, self-ownership. Our time, our attention, our language, our approval in particular, these are sacred coins. And I would no more spend my precious life and time on friendship with a socialist than I would trade my daughter for an empty fucking box. So it's not the fault of the leftists. Hey, leftists going to left, right? That's what they do. They go for power. And they manipulate and they aggress and they fight. Only the left knows that it's a fight until recently. This is why I did the video on Barack Obama and said, the more things change, the more they stay the same until now. Because now, I don't even know if I want to call them the right, the people who like freedom. I think they're finally, after I've been saying it for 10 years, I think they finally got it that it's a fight. I think they finally got it that the left is all in. And whoever's all in wins. Whoever's all in wins. They don't stop. In general, the left doesn't stop until you're out of commission. However you want to interpret that is up to you. But I think it's a fight. Either for life itself or for everything that makes life worth living. Put me in Venezuela, I don't want to get out of bed in the morning. There are fates much worse than death. So the fault is the people who have the values, who know the stakes, but who won't commit, who won't live like it matters. They won't live their values like they matter, like they're essential. Libertarians, in general, kind of like stamp collectors. Now, stamp collectors, I was one when I was younger, they get very passionate. Oh, look, a Victorian penny! Stamp! Oh! Very passionate about it. But it's not like um, a moral thing. It's not like a stamp collector won't be friends with someone who doesn't collect stamps. No, you know, it's sort of like if you're a stamp collector and you're friends with someone and they also are a stamp collector, great, you have more to talk about as far as stamp collecting goes. But if if they're not a stamp collector, yeah, that's all right. You know, to each their own. Oh, all this wonderful individualism, isn't it tasty and self-defeating? Or like, when I was a kid, I was into model railroads. I slept under a model railroad. (laughs) I had a pretty small room, pretty small place when I was growing up. And I slept under a model train set that I lovingly crafted. Ah, the papier-mâché mountains, the chicken wire, the painting, even the eyeballs I painted of the people in the town. Now, some of my friends weren't into model trains didn't mean we couldn't be friends, right? Just, they were into their thing. Played Dungeons and Dragons didn't mean I couldn't be friends with people who didn't play Dungeons and Dragons. Libertarians treat the most essential moral principles that which which makes life worth living, the principles which sustain the lives of billions of people around the world it was the freedom that caused the explosion in growth in the venezuelan population freedom did that the free market trade prices voluntarism the degree to which that extended is the degree to which people had more children and that is what is keeping people alive freedom is life support for the vast majority of human beings in this world as freedom dies people Die, 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 die! That is as clear as day. Human population is vastly expanded because of free trade. And if freedom dies, people die. By the hundreds of millions. By the hundreds of millions. I don't even just mean those who are killed by the state, although that is in the hundreds of millions, but... And people in Venezuela are not being directly killed by the state; they're not being shot and shoveled into mass graves. But, the, but you you see where it's going, right? And so, if somebody's not a stamp collector, if they dislike stamp collecting or model railroads, nobody dies. But if people are dead set against freedom, if people are passionately and steadfastly and committedly advocating, for endless violations of the non-aggression principle. Holy shit. Hundreds of millions of people are going to fucking die. This is what I need libertarians to wake up and say in the morning, spray-painted on the ceiling over your bed. If I fail freedom, hundreds of millions of people die. Oh, what if there was a ticking bomb and you had to torture someone to get the information out of them? Guess what? That is exactly the situation that we are in. If you know about freedom and you don't, balls to the wall, get behind freedom, the blood is on your hands. Leftists gonna left. You release the tiger into the daycare. The blood is not on the tiger's claws, but on your pinky fingers asshole. Leftists are going to left. They're going to do what they're going to do. They tend to be less intelligent. They tend to be traumatized. They tend to be mentally ill. They tend to be prone to anxiety and depression and inchoate rage. They're going to do what they're going to do. They're not going to stop. And until libertarians get the stakes of what is at hand. The lives of hundreds of millions of human beings rest on the defense of freedom, on the defense of property, on the defense of trade, on the defense of voluntary interactions. You are a superhero if you know these principles if you understand these principles and libertarians do and libertarians even say the stakes are enormously high yes it's true hundreds of millions of lives rest on whether freedom can be sustained and achieved and maintained and ha la it's like wow you really better live your life passionately according to these values then and choose your relationships accordingly oh no, no I, you see i'm I, i'm just saying that because you know it sounds dramatic i mean you don't expect the actor who plays Superman to actually jump off a building in real life, do you? It's just, it's just made up. No, it's nonsense. It's just it's fun things we say, you know. I like feeling important. I, I don't want to actually, actually really live live like it is important because that would be unsettling for me, you see. Apparently, apparently a little bit of social discomfort, even a lot of social discomfort, is far more preferable to me than standing watching the deaths of hundreds of millions of human beings knowing that the blood's on my head. See that? I'm fine with the second, but the, you know, Confronting people with their own immorality and choosing my relationships accordingly. That's uncomfortable. The death of hundreds of millions of people. I think I could live with that. Can you? Can you? Because it will be on you. It will be on you. I can't. I can't. I can't live with it. I can't. As I've always said, knowledge is responsibility. If you know the Heimlich maneuver and someone's choking on a fishbone and you don't do anything because you're having a really great profiterol and you don't want to interrupt the taste flow, you're a very, very bad person. And we know, we who love freedom, liberty, property, responsibility, self ownership, the non aggression principle, we know. We know the Heimlich maneuver that saves hundreds of millions of lives. Those lives are only around because people before our time established these principles which have allowed. See, freedom has summoned hundreds of millions of people into existence who otherwise wouldn't be here. They would have died at birth. They would have died shortly after birth. Disease or famine, war. Or their parents would have said, oh, no, we can't afford to feed more children. You see, we don't don't have enough food, so we're not having any more kids. This is the great psych. See, once your ideology has summoned billions of people into existence who otherwise wouldn't be here, you kind of owe it to them to keep them alive, you see. You kidnap someone, you've got to keep them alive. If your ideology is the only reason why billions of people in the world are now alive, you owe it to them to defend that ideology that keeps them alive what a psych that is what a psych that is what a psych that is well i'm really glad that you all listened to me about freedom now billions of you alive who wouldn't otherwise be alive okay can you continue to defend that freedom so that we can stay living no <laughs> no really I guess I'm just going to put myself in the mindset of a Roman gladiator spectator and just watch the giant lions and tigers of central planning, price disruption, totalitarianism, creeping socialism, rend you all limb from limb. Bag of otter's noses, please, for me. Lovely. Just lovely. Oh, what a spectacle. You understand, this is libertarian sadism at its finest. Spread the ideals of freedom which summon billions of people to life and then betray those principles of freedom and watch them die. Welcome to existence. I'm afraid it's going to be rather brief and unpleasant, but I guess I, I enjoy the spectacle. It would have been better for them not to be born, right? It would have been better for them not to be born. Once your ideology brings people to life, they're your responsibility. You own those lives. Freedom fighters own the lives that freedom has created. And if they die because you didn't defend freedom, that's on you. This is what I don't understand why people don't understand this. And I take full ownership for it, which is why I keep explaining it. Because <laughs> it's I'm like standing out there in the desert. In the middle of summer saying, wow, it's hot and bright. (laughs) People are saying, what? I don't know what you're talking about. It's hot and bright. Okay, maybe not today. Like today, a meter of snow fell on the Sahara. But it's hot and bright. People are saying, I don't know what what you're talking about. And I say, well, the reason you have a big sheik's hat on and the reason you have your sunglasses on, it's because it's hot and bright. People say, it would be ridiculous. It's not hot and bright. I say, okay, well, let me take your sunglasses off. No! <laughs> Don't do that. Whatever you do. Don't take off my sunglasses. Well, you, you just said it wasn't bright. Doesn't matter. I know it's not bright, but I want you to take off my sunglasses. It's not going to be the fault of the leftists when people start dying from a lack of freedom. It's not. The leftists are the tigers. We're the ones not building the barricades. So all the libertarians, well, Donald Trump, compromiser, he appointed someone or more than one person from Goldman Sachs. He eats at McDonald's. Well, I know some libertarians like that. Okay. You got a better plan? Asshole. No? Then get in line. Because I am not going down with the blood of countless people on my hands. I may not win, but there's no honor in the victory and no dishonor in the loss. The only honor is in the fight. And the commitment. And when I say this shit matters, when I say freedom matters, and peace matters, and volunteerism matters, I don't just say it like it looks cool on a t shirt oh, freedom matters, cool story, brother. I say it matters because it really, really, really matters. And if you can't ditch socialists from your life, you don't get it at all. And you're worse than the socialists. Because they're going to do what they're going to do. You have the knowledge. And the knowledge gives you the choice. And the choice gives you the responsibility. And you let the tiger into the schoolyard. I'm not looking at the tiger, I'm looking at you. So that's the lay of the land, how to communicate it to people with an IQ of 84, just say, will you give up your vote for food? That's what it's going to take. People with an IQ of 84 have questionable judgment about the long-term effects of socioeconomic policies and at some point that is probably the choice that's going to be presented to them someone is going to ride in and solve their problems and he's going to take away their vote and that's going to be their choice they can have their vote and still and and they can just continue to vote for the charming sociopathic sophists who promise them everything and deliver nothing but misery and death. Or they can say, okay, well, clearly us driving the car doesn't really work. So I I would focus more on the libertarians than the poor people. The poor people listen, you know, people sorry, just one more thing and then I'll 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 give you a chance to speak and I appreciate this this space here, but you know People think when I say, oh, I say, oh, they have an IQ of 84, I'm putting them down. No, I'm not putting them down at all. It's not their fault. It's the reality. Some people are tall and some people are short. And if you're the tall guy who can reach the food at the top of the tree, give it to the shorter people who can't. That's fair. You didn't earn being tall, right? You're just tall. I didn't earn being smart. I think I put it to good use. But what I see going on in the inner city, in, in the inner cities in America and when I see what's going on in Venezuela and other places where well, the IQ seems to be a standard deviation or so below at least the European average you know, the white average I, I mean I, my heart is it breaks it breaks it absolutely breaks it's it's haunting it haunts me it haunts me like I had to grip my teeth and read about Venezuela because it, it breaks my heart You know, when, when I see sophists abusing the less intelligent, it's child abuse. It's, it, it's horrible. It's heartbreaking. And these people deserve so much better. They can't do it for themselves. But they deserve the protection and the defense and the compassion of the intelligent. They are human beings. Humanity doesn't start at IQ 95. We're all people. They are human beings who deserve to live in a decent society. They do not know their own limitations usually, the Dunning-Kruger effect. And there seems to be a bottomless market for the less intelligent to be told that they're more intelligent than they are. I understand that. I do. But the real compassion, the real care, comes from really wanting to help these people and denying the reality of where they are in the bell curve doesn't help, doesn't help them. If you're a doctor and you say, I'm going to treat all ethnicities the same, you're actually guilty of malpractice because they're not the same. Treating everyone the same when they're not is uh, anti-rational, anti-scientific and fundamentally uncaring, hostile. And we see this uncaringness of the left. And it's mirrored by the uncaringness of the libertarians. The left doesn't give a shit about the Venezuelans. They only care about using the levers of their ideology to ratchet themselves into more and more power over a worse and worse world. But do the libertarians care about the Venezuelans? I see the same hollow-hearted, uncaring from both sides, myself. Because if the libertarians really cared, they would go all in. Now, the left goes all in, but they don't care about the results. They just want power. But if the libertarians really cared, or even cared a little bit, they'd go all in. And they'd say, well, my brother-in-law, the socialist, maybe I can just tell him to fuck off that he's an evil scumbag next time we meet. Maybe. Maybe I can do it more delicately. Maybe I can tell him he dare not darken the door of my house again until and unless he gives up his murderous doctrine. Not a lot of Jews holding Seder for Nazis. And Nazism still has a lower death count than socialism and its end product, communism. Maybe libertarians can show their caring by taking what they preach seriously. It is not a hobby. It is not a hobby to be a libertarian. It is the most essential doctrine the world will ever know. And we better start taking it damn well seriously. Because I'll tell you this the left takes it seriously. If you're a libertarian, if you oppose the interests of the left, of the corrupt, of the evil, of the immoral, of the deceptive, of the sophists, they take that shit seriously and they will try to mess you up. Well, let's see what happens when the case elected understand it's a war of words and goes all in. So, can I make one other offer to you, my friend? Listen, listen, man. Is there anything that I can do to help you? Would money help you? Can I send you some money to give I, you some options where you are?
2: I wouldn't. I wouldn't want. Don't. It. Don't pray. Uh,
0: don't. Don't be like really. If there's anything, this would be a great gift to me if uh, I could do something to help.
2: Well, while I could use the money because I got stolen, I got mocked uh, outside of my house and my phone got stolen. Um, I wouldn't like to take it because I know I can get another phone.
0: No, no, I'm talking about, like I don't know if you ever heard this call, we, we, got, a, we got a listener out of South Africa. Like, I mean, can we help get you out of the country?
2: Oh, mm, I can't get out of Venezuela because it's not a cash issue uh no, it's not a cash issue. it's a family issue and and uh, my my family, my mom, my aunts, my uncles they all want me to graduate first uh unless and
0: when, when does the then, graduation happen
2: about three years from now, but I don't know if i'm gonna last three years in.
0: Well, on. keep in touch. First of all, keep in touch about all of that. And if there is anything we can do, let us know. Secondly, how much did your phone cost?
2: Uh, like $100. It's dear chip, but don't okay. worry about
0: it. I'm, no, uh, I no, can, no that's, this, is, this is my pleasure. I mean, you can, no, no, you no, but, can, but you can give it to your family. I I'm, I'm going to send you the price of your phone because it sucks that you got it stolen. And, and it's selfish for me because I want more people who listen to the show to have access to the Internet. And <laughs> listen to this show. So uh, I just tell you that's what we're going to do. If you don't want to use it to buy the phone, uh, give it to someone or use it for something else. But well, I'll, it's guess I'll,
2: I'll give it to my stepfather to help with the food in the house because it's been kind of like, uh, okay, uncomfortable for me to to not being able to support even food. I mean,
0: I yeah, can't. No, listen. Charity is a perfect free market opportunity. There's nothing that goes against either of our values, me offering to help you, because it gives me a pleasure and hope to do so, and I think you're a great guy, and it's not your fault you're in Venezuela. That's just where you happen to be born. Yeah, but... So let me help you with the good fortune I've had to not be born in Venezuela, that's all.
2: <laughs> well, I'll, I'll accept it then, but...
0: Good. Good. I appreciate that. And you please please never forget we are an email away if you need help if there's anything we can do an opportunity opens up anything. Let us know.
2: Well, I I think I think that opportunities might might be coming sooner than later. Uh, I already have a way out of the country. Well, the the uncle I told you about that was in Sabine that he told me about the how the Sabine spies on Venezuelan, he left to Colombia about six months ago and he's doing pretty well in Colombia. Uh, He wants to leave to either the United States or Spain later but I got a recent announcement from my college that they're gonna raise prices and I paid uh, let's say 12 dollars uh, last uh, trimester right? and now I'm going to have to pay about $90 wow. this time Jeez. so if that happens my mom told me that I would have to put a pause on my studies and if I put a pause on my studies I'm going to leave I don't care if people think it's bad and I know I'm going to have a rough time in I've never left the country, but I know I'm going to have a rough time without a, without a, a degree in something. But I I think that uh,
0: uh, you don't. I mean, as far as the degree goes, I mean, any competent employer is going to know that you're mostly surrounded by idiots
2: anyway, right? Yeah, and I'm uh, I, I'm also afraid that they're gonna automatically think that and that I'm an idiot because I'm from Venezuela, because that happens a lot. I mean, Venezuelans are pretty fucking stupid. There's no, <laughs> there's no denying. Well, hopefully,
0: that. hopefully we can, you know, if there's an opportunity, um, hopefully you can uh, get out and we can. Uh I guess uh, lower the average a little more after you leave. But uh, keep keep in touch if there's anything we can do. Seriously, don't let your life slide you by because you're afraid to ask for help. You heard me. No, but- I ask for help every single time. Just about every single time I do a show, I'm like donate at freedomandradio.com/slash/donate. Ask for help. Ask for help. Ask for help. Don't. Try and do it all by yourself, especially but, at your age. So that's my suggestion. I will have to move on to the next caller. I really, really appreciate the call. Yeah. And uh, let us know if you have any trouble getting the, the cash. And uh, I wish you the very best. I hope that you'll stay in touch.
2: Well, oh, thank you for listening, Stefan.
0: My pleasure. I think I may have done some talking too, but you're welcome.
1: And let's move on to the next caller. All right. Up next, we have Jordan. Jordan wrote in and said, Do you think a lot of the leftists today become activists primarily for fame and money? As a black man in university, as well as being ostracized by millennials for quote-unquote acting white, I feel disgusted that talking about social issues is becoming a business rather than a means of progression or an actual cause to fight for, and that people like me are becoming more undervalued by activists and the general black community. Is this the way I should be interpreting this left-wing activism, or am I letting this get to me? That is from Jordan. Oh, hey Jordan, how you
0: doing tonight?
4: I'm doing all right. Uh, how about you, Stefan?
0: I am. I am. Well, I am. Well, I think I still have some vocal prowess left after that little rant fest. So I think <laughs> we will we'll be okay. Um, it is. It, I have a feeling, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's, there's a lot of words inside you about all this stuff. Is there more that you wanted to talk about with this before I uh, go off on my, um, uh, hopefully not too tangenty kind of rant?
4: Well, um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I really there was there was a lot more but I wanted to keep the introduction. Basically, I'm um, in a uh, I was born in Houston, Texas, but I'm in a university in Louisiana doing um physics and electrical engineering. And um as time progressed, hmm.
0: Did you have Oh, anything? it's it's great. I just, you know, I I please don't Please don't talk too much about physics.
4: No, no, no I, 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 that, that, that's, that's the least part. <laughs> I, that's just some, that's just there for
0: you to. I, you. No, I just I have a bit of an intellectual hard on for people who take physics because they're the only people who rank up above philosophy in terms of IQ. So <laughs> I, I just wanted to say, good on you. But anyway, <laughs> go on.
4: But um, I, I I've been following through with the election, and I think I I I had viewed when we've actually talked about social studies back when I was in middle school and the point where it turned into social justice. And it now became the dynamic that we have today, which is, um, which are social justice warriors and, um, crazy left-wing activists. And I noticed something and, and it, it kind of started bothering me. Um, the first time I ever actually took people who are social justice warriors, um, seriously, and that they have an actual influence in, um, the world today is, um, Gamergate. And, um, mm, right with, um, and, um, I don't want to talk about games too much. I know, I don't think you're a gamer. I just think
0: it's kind of cool that there may never have been a president Trump if there'd been just a little bit more integrity in the video game reporting industry. But anyway, go on. Yeah.
4: We, we talked about, I was talking about that with people on 4chan. It was like, oh, without people like, uh, Zoe Quinn and Anita Sarkeesian, we might not have to have Trump as our president. So, but then I, I I evaluated more and i and I make it a more broader issue, not just in like video games or sexism, but in just activism in general. And I noticed that um things activism in my mind isn't the same as what it was in the 1960s if you're actually if you're actually looking for a cause to fight for 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 an example, um you talked about Dr. Martin Luther King jr. Um, in one of your um Later, um, one of your newer videos. Um,
0: oh, the uh, the I Have a Dream. Rubble, what I, have, I guess
4: yeah, you could say. that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, when, if he, um, when he got the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964, uh, she, he had gotten around 54,600 in in, uh, in 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 money that uh, he could have dedicated to his children, but in the end, he gave back to his community. And then when he got assassinated, then he he gave. It, they gave back to him and to, to his children because of that but I don't see anything really akin to that anymore. all I see are these these um, these um pundits and commentators and so-called activists who pretty much ask for money to do certain things without any sort of um, any sort of actual any sort of issue in the world getting solved, I, I I look around and I and I feel like we create more problems than we solve, and mm. it's discouraging because I see people like Al Sharpton who who is considered the the uh, the race pimp, who
3: uh,
4: <laughs> he he really he basically exploits racial issues for money. I I don't see him talking uh, these people talking about things like. Uh, uh, black-on-black violence, or the welfare system. If you knew a guy well, about...
0: Or, the- you know, another thing, I'm sorry to, sorry to interrupt you, oh no, Jordan, but another thing, of course, is, I mean, slavery is a, is a big topic uh, I- among activists, and, and, you know, in general, of course, a worthwhile topic, but, you know, slavery is still going on in Africa. I mean, if, if you really cared about blacks being enslaved, you know, I mean, sure, 150 years ago, let's, let's talk about that. I mean, maybe not forever, because... No one's alive anymore, but, you know, there, there are actually blacks enslaved in Africa right now as we speak. Maybe people could go over and do something about that, but they don't really seem to.
4: Oh, yeah, I, 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 I agree. They, they don't really care about Africa. Um, if you looked at that Alex Jones show, it, it was very clear that people who voted Democrat didn't really care about other countries um, and and what's going on in there. It, when you like with that, um, I think his name is Owen Schreider. When he would that, uh, you're a fucking white male video. Um, oh, that guy, yeah. yeah, that the what a few of those protests, uh, those guys clearly didn't care about what happened in other countries. They they were interested in themselves and 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 as Americans. But um, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I don't see these people looking at Africa and thinking, oh, maybe we need to. Fix our uh, help our black folks there and that and whatnot, but um,
0: yeah. Or or of course you know the the curse of single motherhood, right? Yeah. Um, that that, that yeah. I think is yeah. doing yeah. a lot more to oppress to oppress blacks than than anything outside the community. I mean, not to sort of this big blob thing, but I mean taking on that single motherhood thing would be fairly important. Um, I I'm I'm certainly not responsible for any single mothers <laughs> that I know of. Yeah. Always oh, that old red fox line. I love kids. I got some kids of own out there somewhere. But um, I just uh, oh, hold th- there's so much that could be done that's not being done that uh, it it is pretty tragic. And and it's being done kind of in the opposite direction, like focusing the community uh, of of resentment and there's stuff to be resentful about. But focusing entirely on the outside, there's this big giant wall of white racism or whatever you want to call it, that really disempowers. And I think is as you point out, it makes things worse.
4: Yeah, it, exactly. Um, and I look at these people, and and I, I can think of more examples. I could say like Jesse Jackson, I, I I could say Sean King, I could say Mark Lamont Hill, I have, and I could say maybe even like a, um, talk show hosts like uh, Trevor Noah or or Stephen Colbert, all these people, and it it seems as though I I feel when I mean I feel undervalued, I feel like what's going to happen is that. I have a more likely chance of getting shot by a, a, a black guy, a, a thug, or a hoodlum, than any cop. I, I like cops. I really. Uh, I'm friends with lots of them uh, back in Houston, Texas, and um, it, it's very nice to be around cops. I, I, I feel glad to be around them. And if I ended up getting shot by a black person, and I um, and my killer was never found, which is very likely. I mean, seventy-five percent of the murders in Chicago in 2015 weren't solved. Mm. If, if that were to happen to me, I, I would come to the realization that other than family, nobody else would care. N- mm. Nobody would really care. I, if it was like, a white
0: it, cop, right, you'd be all over the news, right?
4: Yeah, exactly. And, I, and can I this, just,
0: sorry, just before oh, you go on, I just can, want to put a little pitch in there for Jason L. Riley. He's got this great book, Please Stop Helping Us, How Liberals Make It Harder for Blacks to Succeed. I just want to put that out there because it's been a while since I've done it, and it was a great book. But uh, sorry, sorry, Jordan, go ahead.
4: Oh, okay. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, and You were talking and, about
0: if you were oh, shot by a, a black thug, you'd, like, disappear from from consciousness.
4: Yeah, and um, it, it, this has happened to plenty of college black stu- people, oh, students in, in general. I mean, there have been college bl- black college students. Uh, there have been... Um, Black kids in elementary school that were killed while they were doing their homework or just killed doing something that any any kid could do um, nowadays when, when they're their age And, and I, I, I feel worried that that the black community is is essentially against me um, I, I it, It's a horrible thing to think but it, it's like These people don't really care about me when you really dig deep and and I feel discouraged. I this i this kind this idea has basically made me depressed. I, I'm I'm currently at an at an HBCU right now, a historically black college, and I, I kind of, um, what would you say? I kind of cucked myself because um, the only reason why I'm here is is because of. Um, um, Financial purposes, this wasn't a, a, as cheap, as expensive of a school to go into, and I had family here, which was nice, but
0: um I'm sorry, uh, why I, is that well, why is that cocking yourself I mean, uh, well, you can get I mean it cheaper
4: Well I mean it, well there's that and um, my mo- my mom's influence because I have to re- depend on my mom for financial purposes because i I, I really wanted to go to college, and I, I couldn't do it alone, and if I grabbed any student loans, that would be the death of me. I, I would have to live for that for um, life. I, it's torn down my mom, and she, she and I didn't want that for me. So I basically decided to um, go to this school, and then and she would pay for everything.
0: And So, so sorry, I, your, mom, your mom had a bunch of student loans? She
4: has, she has student loans to pay as well as my tuition. Right. And I have two other brothers who had to pay tuition, too. Right. Okay. And that's that's a huge load on her. Right. But it's very hard to have a a discussion about things like this in in the environment that I'm in when I'm around a bunch of black people. There was a day where I tried to talk to two black people about um, black on black violence and they ended up derailing the conversation. They didn't want to talk about
0: it. And, and um, what did they have? I mean, just if you can, this is sort of a conversation I won't have, right? Because not that I won't have, I, can't, I'm not, I will never be a black guy talking to other black guys about black on black violence. So if you can just give me a, like a window, what, what, what happened in the conversation? How did it go?
4: Okay. Uh, I think the first time, um, the first conversation I had, um, people, I was having a discussion in one of my classes about, let's um, see, it was about, jeez. Uh, you'd have to give me a moment. It's a, it's a, it's a long story, but basically mm-hmm. I was having, um, a discussion on, um, with one of them, we were, someone was really mad at the Republicans. Uh, my, my roommate was very mad at, uh, Republicans because he did not like the way they treated black people. And then I mentioned to him, um, that, uh, you know the the Demo- i mentioned to them that the most democrat cities democratic cities like chicago have basically had the biggest crime epidemics and more black people have been dying and then he was like he didn't want to talk about that he wanted to mm-hmm. talk he he told me uh i i have no interest in talking about that i i wanted to talk about what republicans did and he was very hesitant in voting and and donald trump he he did he hated donald trump he did not want to mm-hmm. hate uh, he did not want to vote for donald trump And he thought that all this gripe about uh, Hillary and Mm. having war with Russia, putting no-fly zones in Syria, and uh, what happened in WikiLeaks, people are blowing it out of proportion and whatnot, um, when I believe there's a lot of validity to the concerns of having Hillary Clinton as a president. Mm. And the second thing was that um, I was in one of my classes, and one of the students was talking about um, the... um, the the uh how um black people who were shot by white cops were represented in the media you know with the um, a- and they said on some conservative sites that um, there are often people looking their cri- well not really conservative sites per se but just people like 4chan people or or redditors or, or or whoever I'm not sure just people in general would bring up their criminal record and judge them judge um that crime based on who they were as a person and their criminal record. When I had made the suggestion that maybe the reason why people bring up criminal records when it comes to these shootings is because they want you to understand that you're bringing more support to someone with this much criminal history, rather than a student who gets, a black student who gets shot by another black person. And so, and they stayed silent they went on to go um to their classes they they walked away and continued to uh, go to their um, classes as normal and so um those were the two instances now they, they were kind of they're not that um they're not that uh illuminated but i had a feeling that they weren't interested in talking about it from there right
0: right right if, it, if it's any consolation and we can circle back on this, um, most white people are not supporting me either, if that if <laughs> helps at all. So um, I just, you know, w- 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 m- you know my, my tribe is, you know, the truth seekers, the truth tellers, the people with self-knowledge and all of that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've received some unfriendly responses from a lot of white people as well, just if that, if that helps at all.
4: Oh, I, 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 I would be surprised. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, I started listening to people like uh, Thomas Sowell. I I know you've heard of him before, and um, yeah, uh, Larry Elder, and mm-hmm. uh, Walter Williams, these people. And they yeah. all seem to make very good points. I just wish they had more recognition. Um, right. I, 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 fe- I feel like um, people like uh, Mark Lamont Hill treated Larry Elder very badly when they were on CNN back a couple of years ago, and hmm. Larry Elder just owned him,
0: and uh, um mark and this that's probably him. wasn't invited back right
4: yeah he, he wasn't invited back well he wasn't invited back after the the whole um his thing with pierre's morgan I, I don't know if mm. it was with pierre's morgan or with mark but either way he's not back in cnn so right um but i i have more respect for larry elder and them than somebody like mark lamont hill because um mark uh P- mark lamont hill and sean king um are coming to my school next month and what mm-hmm. i was thinking and i was thinking that i could um i could go and basically grill them um but i've had people saying you know maybe you shouldn't do it maybe you should just instead of trying to um to show yourself to to the to the uh uh um, to the uh, to the campus you would just you just stay silent and continue your own route and keep doing your work and whatnot and so um if you want any more information I, I might have been a little um a, a little odd with how I said this um story or, or how how I introduced this to you but um if you need any more information about uh, this you can ask but what I wanted to ask you were two things mm. um Am I letting this idea of um, social um, justice being – oh, and there's one thing – one more thing I wanted to mention to you. Um, there was a – I don't know if you know there was a video on the um, YouTube channel Vice called White Guilt in a Box. Um, I don't <laughs> no. know. If you, you, have you heard
0: of it before? Uh, no. I mean, no, I haven't.
4: Okay. Well, what it basically is is th- – this was the reason why I asked the question, why I even came on your show. It, it, it um, It's basically about um, these two black girls who see the results of Donald Trump winning the election and decide that they were going to cash in on um, uh, the triggering that, that happened as a result of uh, the election by basically selling these white box boxes. And um, they contain safety pins, and they contain um, a, a to-do list to um understand your your white guilt to uh any sort of any white woman in particular who voted for hillary clinton just to have donald trump as their president because most white women voted for donald trump this uh, election cycle and um they and the whoever buys these boxes have a subscription plan which they pay a hundred bucks a month to get them and uh there was a bunch of criticism about that obviously um I thought when I was watching the video, I thought I was watching the onion because
0: Wait, of how this is not a comedy thing?
4: This isn't a no, this is this is not a comedy thing. This
0: is Jordan, seriously.
4: Thing. No, this is a comedy are
0: you shitting me? You're not no, trolling me, are you?
4: No, this isn't a comedy thing. No, it's not. Um A
0: box a box that you pay hundred bucks a month for. It's empty, yes. right? And, and, sort of and yeah. Okay. But but I'm um, I'm um, remind me. What do you get again?
4: Okay. Uh, from what I can tell, I, I wish I could send you the video. I, you could probably look it up yourself. Just type in "white guilt" in a box. I'll
0: honest. get right on that. But now, what? But, just give me a give me what, what you it, remember. It
4: has it has like safety pin a safety pin, which yeah. signifies that you're a white woman who did not vote for Donald Trump, ah. and I think um a list of things to do. To um, deal with your white guilt.
0: Okay, so it's like a, a Catholic absolution thing, right? You're born with the sin of being white, and we can forgive you for hundred bucks a month, or whatever hundred bucks or whatever it is we're going to do, right?
4: Well, at least a hundred bucks, and I and I yeah, say yeah. that because usually I'll, sometimes you'll get in those little to-do lists, pay reparations.
0: So oh, so this might be just the opening bid on the cost of your white guilt. Yes. Okay. OK.
4: You know, some some Gazi Koso level um, um, reparation stuff, uh, right. that that type of thing. But um, that's basically the idea of what the purpose of that box. And uh, it got a lot of criticism, obviously. Um, I don't know why it wouldn't. It would be crazy if, uh, if there was no criticism for cashing in on, on, on this whole thing. And they basically the two black women basically said, um yeah, I would be making a profit, but I earned that profit. And what she would say, and what one of them said was that part of a lot of it would go to her themselves and they would be making a profit. But there sure. would be um, another portion that would go to um, black uh, feminists, um, black female activists. And um, sure. But i don't know what those black female activists are going to use it for so that's something that's very interesting but um yeah uh people were basically cashing in on on not only this election but uh just racial issues in general from my perspective so my questions to you would be um should i let am am i letting this get to me is this is this an idea that that probably isn't true something that um, that it, it's essentially a distraction for what I should be doing in my life and um, Would you suggest that I go to the um, the talks that uh, Mark Lamont Hill and Sean Hill are having and if so What do you think I should ask them if they ever have a and a session?
0: You know, I I get it. I mean <laughs> Oh, I get the temptation, man. Yeah, I really, oh. I really want to. I because re- you I, gotta I sit. Like if you chance. decide not to, right? You basically gotta sit there, like you're you're chewing your 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 inner cheek and biting your tongue, like it's a shock attack on a baby <laughs> on a baby orca's heart, right? Yeah, I I,
4: I really want to. I really want to uh, to just grill them. I want I want yeah, to yeah. talk about like uh, when, when it comes to like uh, Mark Lamont Hill. I, I don't know if you know him. Uh, um if you don't that's fine i I'd rather you didn't know him.
0: All I'll tell <laughs> I you, know the name, and I probably would know I mean, I know Sean King some more, and I know the name Mark Lamont Hill, and I'm sure I, you know stuff would come dredging up if we talked about it but uh go on
4: but basically all you need to know is that he is that you know all of the uh black uh celebrities like um Steve Harvey and kanye West uh they you know they all go to Trump Tower and basically meet with him and talk with him about certain things. Mm. Um, and, uh, on CNN, um, on a CNN panel, Mark Lamont Hill basically called all those people that were meeting Trump all those black people that are meeting, um, Trump at Trump tower. They were all, um, he called them all mediocre Negroes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know this guy. Yeah, I was just reading. I was, yeah, I saw this yeah. the other day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and and
4: I, and I was really, that really hit the nail in the coffin when it came to him because, Keep in mind, he's calling people like Kanye West, uh, Steve Harvey, um, Jim Brown, who is not only a, like a football player, but he is a civil rights leader from from the '50s and so on. Somebody who helped build um, black-run enterprises and um, had um, management skill talks with uh, prison inmates and had basically been a a very good idol for the black community in general. I mean, he has done some
0: really significant good, right?
4: Yeah, he's done some good and his um, reputation is ruined all because he said some good things about Donald Trump,
0: you know, um, and I also want to mention that the phrase the phrase mediocre Negro is like the least ghetto insult I've ever heard in my life. Not (laughs) that I've heard a lot, but it does not involve the phrase bitch ass at all. Yeah. And I just really wanted to point that out yeah. for those who are following at home.
4: And then there was Ray Lewis, and then he essentially also called Martin Luther King the third a mediocre Negro, and that 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 just I think a lot of Black people were turned off by that. A yeah, well, Martin Luther King, they
0: tried just... to bait him into saying negative things about Donald Trump. He refused to take the bait, and oh, yeah. uh, what now he's a. A house n-word or i don't know what what he's being called or whatever but yeah you're going against this this narrative
4: yeah pretty much that, right. that's essentially what it is um and so i i really wanted i if i ever saw him i really wanted to grill him on that like say something something uh uh snarky tim about that because he remember next month is black history month so the these same people that he's talking about he's going to be talking about at that at the conference so I wanted to get well, your, much, your perspective. how um,
0: much? Sorry to interrupt. How, how much further have you got to go in your degree?
4: I have about maybe. Uh, well, I have about uh, this semester, next semester, and then uh, my program has to have me go to an actual engineering school for two mm. extra years because I'm taking one degree here and then a, another degree somewhere else. So,
0: right, right. So, so you got like what, 18, 18 months time. still to go. Pretty much, yeah. Oh, that that could be a long time in the wilderness, my friend. Yeah, it could be right. Yeah, it could be. Now it depends, like because I I took on professors when I was in college. There were a few people around who were into the free market, you know, in a small government. At that time, I was an objectivist and so on. So i i was not I was not going to be isolated. I was just refining those around me, I guess you could say, because like mm-hmm. people knew where I stood. And I guess that's my question is if there's like this, maybe, you know, if there's a group around there who who think like you do or think, I, I would probably put it that way. If there's a group around who are like that, then, you know, maybe you'll find them and maybe you'll have some companions that are better. You know, there's this risk, right? You You pop your head up. Right, Like gopher style and it's like it's great if there are other gophers around who can see you, but it's not great if there are only hunters, right? Yeah. So you might be revealing yourself if you take this on as other people who might be sort of against this narrative or or skeptical at least this narrative or maybe you'll start them on that journey. On the other hand, if it's like really infested with the social justice warrior stuff, then, you know, they they could really – it's not just ostracism. Like, I mean, you know, a lot of open hostility could – could happen right like you're you're a plant from the white conglomerate or something like that i don't know what you could be accused of but you know it's the acting white stuff which really i mean there's so much wrong with that i do (laughs) not i don't even know what to say (laughs) but um what do you think do you think that you might find people more along your way of thinking or do you think it might really really get get you socially
4: i was actually thinking about that um I, i I, I hang out on 4chan and I have fun on there and and I mentioned this topic before to get some suggestions from the poll community, and one of them did say, maybe you should um get a group of people who think like you and then go to the meeting and then uh basically acknowledge to him that they think you're a disgrace to the black community and that you're a race hustler and that we never want to see you again in this college um, but hmm. I don't know if i i I'd have to see. I don't know if you, if you, I, if I you know haven't
0: if I, met anyone yet, I mean, have you in, in your,
4: I feel like I have, I feel like I have, but I did, I haven't gone too deep. Uh, in
0: I, it you yet. know, it's gotta be more than a feeling. <laughs> I think you'd know, wouldn't you? Um, well,
4: no, I don't think so. Um, and, and, and if there ever were, I had, I didn't dig di- too deep in it. So I, I mean, uh, uh, I'm a lone rider essentially here.
0: You know, and I, I, you know, I'm a big one for courage. You know that, right? I mean, I, I think I display it and, and all that. But, you know, discretion can also be the better part of valor. Or, you know, there's an old saying that he who fights and runs away lives to fight another day. It's sort of okay. something I can also be, be fond of. Because there's, there's a couple of concerns that I would have. First and foremost, it's unlikely that you'll get the chance to make a good case, because you might be shouted down, right? Like you might just stop bringing some stuff up you, and, and you get jeered down or you get shouted down and you never get a chance to make a good case. You don't change anyone's minds, but you're marked. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. And being marked can be a big deal, right?
4: It can be a big deal. I think the, the thing that I, I would have to worry about is if I'm not already marked. Because I've never actually changed my who I am for anybody in this school. I basically acted like myself. And at this mm. point, people know who I am and maybe what I believe. Because based on me talking in class, they probably would have a good idea of who I am. I don't, when I talk, when I talk in class, I don't go too overboard with the whole, um, with, um, conservative views. I just point right. things out, but I have a feeling that people may think I'm not your, your, your typical black guy, uh, who, who speaks very well and has a deep voice. Uh, right. that, uh, they wouldn't think they would think more than that. Probably I'm not much of a, I, I, I'm not much of a, a talker. Um, I don't have... Um, I, I, I'm not very friendly with people. I usually hang out alone. Uh, and, and I don't talk in depth with people about certain issues. Uh, nobody here knows that I uh, had voted for Donald Trump in the election. I, I right. keep that to myself. Um, that The vote I had for him was had turned into a protest vote. Because initially I got interested in him because... I like his tax plan, and uh, I like his ten. And I like uh, that he acknowledged that there were issues within the other cities. Um, I like that he's not a very uh, politically correct person, and um, I, I had gotten attracted to him, uh, um, even though he has uh, honestly said some dumb stuff. Uh, that yeah. those things ha- had kind
0: of welcome to breathing <laughs> <laughs> everyone. That's right,
4: but I, I was attracted to him because of those things. So i had I had interest in him, but over time it turned into a protest vote uh, because it's, there was some stupid stuff going on in this election, and I felt like voting for him meant something more than just uh, um, voting for for voting for a president who who could make who who claims to help people who want to help
0: people it, it's, you know it's I, I, yeah uh, i mean I, I sometimes wonder if the end goal of the left is, isn't some kind of race war. Yeah. You know, just this, this constant escalation and, uh, and you know, what, what I am enormously interested in as far as what Donald Trump and Ben Carson and these guys are going to do with the inner cities and so on. We all know, especially since, (laughs) you know, uh, Barry Obama kind of ran up the old credit card just a little bit. Uh, government's going to run out of money and what is going to happen to all of the people, um, the single moms and all that, right? Three-quarters of the black kids being born to these single moms. What's gonna happen if and when the government runs out of money? And if we don't have a plan B for that, it's gonna be insane. I mean, yeah. it's gonna be like it's gonna be like martial law, it's gonna be like National Guard, it's gonna be I don't know what the hell that's gonna be, but we we gotta get some growth out of this dependency. And, and in the black community, it's not like, I mean, there are more whites than blacks uh, 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 on welfare in the states, although it's disproportionate by population for the blacks. But there's got to be some way out of this spiral because it can't mathematically sustain itself. And this, I, I really do think this is the last chance that we have to find some alternative to this god-awful welfare state entrapment uh, of of certain communities and, and find some damn way out of this and I think that the guy's a job creator he's a businessman you know Ben Carson is clearly a very intelligent and competent person and I you know we we've got to take this chance because sure as shit if if Hillary had gotten in you know the dependence the race baiting the escalation would have just continued where does it where does it end where does it end
4: yeah they, I mean, she she presented to me no palpable change. Um, oh, when no. when when the Democratic uh, convention na- uh, national convention came up, um, my my younger brother was for Sanders, but once he realized that Sanders had um, basically been um, basically sold out to Hillary Clinton, he uh, sure. he, he jumped to Trump because uh, he 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 knew that he had a feeling he knew that Trump would probably be a, a better option than Clinton, and and, and I, I think a lot of people. A lot a little slightly more black people than usual, but uh, I mean, it's only a lo- only a, a small change within the black community. But
0: I think it's gonna get bigger, though. I mean, I put this video out um, yesterday about uh, sort of a summer a summary of some of the stuff about Obama's presidency. And in it, I sort of pointed out that uh, although the majority of people vote for the Democrats, um, fewer than half of the black of the blacks who are appalled, really like the big government welfare state stuff, right? So although they, you know, blacks will vote for the Democrats, they don't actually share, the majority doesn't actually share the philosophy of the Democratic Party. And that's, that's the big problem that the constantly can be poached by the right. And this is why the Democrats have to do all this race baiting to just sort of get that polarity going, get that oppositional stuff going. And, uh, I think, you know, it is my desperate hope. And, I think it's more than a hope, but it is my desperate hope, as I, as I think it is just about every decent person's that some great stuff can happen for the black community and this this deadlock that the Democrats – I mean, the Democrats have always had a dysfunctional relationship with the black community, to put it as nicely as possible. I mean, they opposed the Civil Rights Act in the 19th century. They were the founders of the KKK. I mean, they just they, – they supported segregation and Jim Crow. And, I mean, they've always had a messed up relationship with the black community. It is, of course, my hope – that with Donald Trump coming in, some things can be reformed for the better, and uh, opportunities and, and a way out of this cycle of dependence can be uh, can start to be taken, and uh, maybe maybe then the stranglehold that the Democrats have had over the Black community, which are essential for their political political success, um, can can be loosened, and more options can be taken. Because I mean, there, I mean. It, it's not fun living in a ghetto. I mean, God, if there's any, any other alternative, who the hell wouldn't want want that?
4: Yeah, I, I agree. Um if, if you uh looked up uh, Larry Elder's interview in the the Rubin report, mm. um he basically he basically acknowledges the same thing. He says that um the only connection he sees with blacks and the Democrats is that is this whole social justice idea, the, this civil rights concept. Uh, blacks are kind of more conservative than people think.
0: Um, mm. Well, the but, Christians, right? very yeah, strong Christian.
4: Yeah, very strong Christians. Um, uh, I, I talk with my dad. He he's technically conservative, even though my my, my um uh, my side is diva- divided when it comes to uh, political issues. My whole nuclear family is basically conservative, Hmm. but so that that is uh, an interesting um, thing to note. But Donald Trump, what he has to impress, he has to impress because I I I have faith in him. He he, there was really no reason for him to run. He knew I I'm I'm sure he's smart enough to know that him saying the stuff that he said was going to rile some feathers up. Um, and, and I loved how the media went crazy when he won. I, 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 th- this election that basically helped dim down who I look at for news sources, which is basically consists of Fox News uh, and then uh, maybe the L.A. Times and the Rasmussen um, articles that exist. But um, I, I, this election was uh, pretty entertaining but
0: um, oh, man, did you see any of the stuff that went on with the inauguration today?
4: Oh, uh, Leftist yeah.
0: Meltdown. Some guy compared compared it to like Pearl Harbor. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's not oh, any uh, kind of that, hysterical is, overreaction or anything like that.
4: Um, uh, there was a guy there was a there's a video of um, these uh, protesters um, holding each other in a circle. Um, um, and they basically uh, kept saying, fuck Donald Trump to a single Trump supporter wearing a Make America Great Again hat mm-hmm. in the middle of yeah. the circle, basically pulling the middle finger at everyone in that ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was fun. That was much uh, a lot of fun. Um, at, they actually did a protest in New Orleans, um, but it wasn't as crazy as what happened in Washington. Uh, that's one good thing that I could say. Um, they basically, what they had was they um, they were marching down streets, with a um a statue of Lady Liberty in a coffin, and they were dragging to, <laughs> right. they were dragging him to the Mississippi River, uh hinting that democracy is over um, yeah, but um he has
0: not to, not an argument not an <laughs> not an argument hitting things with rocks, not an argument, uh, you know, shoving lauren southern, not an argument, peppers not an argument not an its well, well, you know, this is the left, right? I mean people need to see this stuff unmasked for what it is um have you talked to your mom about your thoughts about when the activists come to town or come to your college no i haven't because you know she's paying right she's paying if if she's paying i i hate to get all rhymey on you but if she's paying she should be saying right she doesn't
4: care if, she, if she's oh, she I, does I, I have a feeling she doesn't care what happens right. i mean oh she just worries about my grades that's it she wants well, I know, grades. but
0: I mean, if you end up being ostracized or attacked, your grades may suffer, and you know, maybe, you know, maybe you might get depressed. I yeah. mean, I'm just, it might be something to chat about with her because she's well, she's funding you, the, the deal, right?
4: Yeah, um, but well, actually, I might have um, left out details. She's funding half of it; the other half goes to my grandparents because they make a much higher salary than my parents do. So it's a it's a, it's it's a whole. Um,
0: well, maybe they could line. be included in the conversation. it's just a possibility just okay. just a possibility to think about yeah, now no. duly know. yeah if if i'm gonna if you if you want to get comfy, do you need to pee because the last guy needed to pee I just wanted to uh,
4: uh oh um can can I say some things first yeah yeah come. before you go get all preachy because I know that's, you,
0: bet. That's how you Absolutely. get comfortable in the pew go ahead
4: um Donald Trump what he needs to make a good impression i mean i he i i see him as having good intentions, even though he's He's kind of funny at times, but he, I, I see that he has good intentions, but he has to make a good impression, which means he needs to have a good relation with Paul Ryan, because Paul Ryan has kind of said has said things from what I believe that are very contradictory to what Donald Trump plans to do. And that that in itself worries me because I don't I don't want any because people when, when people mention drain the swamp, people don't think the swamp in, in which what trump believes but rather the swamp being paul ryan himself and, and so what i i know paul ryan's going to be involved unless something happens but it, trump and the republican party now that they have the majority of the house and the senate what they need to do is basically they have they have to do a good job now now that this opportunity is ha- is given to them because what happens is if they don't what then? I mean, if it turns out that, that, that they do terrible, a terrible job, they might destroy the Republican Party. But if they do a great job, they'll destroy the Democratic Party. And then, and then um, we wouldn't have to deal with the Democrats and, and their, and their, their um, addiction to welfare. Yeah.
0: I mean, my perspective is that Trump's relationship is with the people. And if Paul Ryan fucks with him, then Trump is going to take to social media and uh, Paul Ryan's uh, going to have a very bad day. Uh, Paul Ryan probably wants to run in 2020, although that may be unwise. But uh, I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I don't think you get to the White House because you refuse to compromise and then start compromising. Uh, that would be betraying everyone. Yeah. That, that would that would Got be that's so my particular perspective. I
4: just I just don't want him to be in, in, in a in a hole where where he's gonna have to compromise and, and then that goes against everything. Like uh, kind of like when, you know, dirt in George H. W. Bush's presidency, when he kept saying that uh the, the his infamous quote, uh, read my lips, no new taxes, and then he increased taxes. Uh that type of thing. I don't I don't want something like that happening.
0: Uh, in Trump's case. Well no because um, Ryan's a cock on immigration and uh, Trump uh, got in because people are desperate for immigration reform i.e little to no immigration. I imagine if Ann Coulter gets away for at least a decade and I would argue possibly even more. but um, no I, let, let's not get into what Trump should do with 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 Paul Ryan because I mean it's out of both of our sort of um, area of, of effect. But as far as sort of why do people get into this social justice warrior activism, yeah, there's there's a lot of money in it. There's a lot of money in it. Uh, provoking resentments among people uh, and uh, telling, telling people who failed in life that it's not your fault, it's the fault of evil X wherever it is, right? Uh, that is uh, – that's a big business. You know, there are lots of people who – they're like um, – there are hunters, right? And then there are like the jackals, right? The people who just feast off the wounded, right? And – um the people who fail in life, um, they—it's—it's they, it's tough. It's tough for them. It's tough. Like it, it eats away at you, especially if you've had potential, if you've really had potential. Uh, I mean, I've known—I've known some people. You know, one of the smartest guys I've ever known. One of the smartest guys I've ever known is working. It's like it's like something out of Atlas Shrugged. Like he's working as a as a low level tester of software brilliant guy i mean given me more insights than i could share in an hour and it's it's really really tough and he has had to well, i don't really see him anymore but he had to in the past create these vast and elaborate reasons why he is such a gifted guy. Was doing such a nothingness as a whole. And look, I mean, it's not like you know, he he can be a tester. Okay, fine, write some haikus or or come up with a great Dungeons and Dragons map, or you know, I don't care what, but something to use your brain. And the people who failed, they have a great hunger for an explanation that doesn't involve them. And the problem is, of course, you give this explanation to them, but it infects everyone. It's like there's a, there's a, a cluster bomb effect, right? You, you give this person the justification as to why they failed. And it, it, it hits everyone else around them, and it, it hits their kids, and it, it spreads, right? It's not an individual uh, strike. Uh, it's, uh, it can be community-wide. So there's that aspect. Of, and the other thing, too, like you sort of celebrities and all that, why do they skew to the left? And, uh, you know, I mean, Jennifer Lawrence, just read her essay about uh, well, there, white there's people. There's a lot it's on like, Jennifer Lawrence
4: oh. that make me not want to like her. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's you know, just. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm cutting in too much. No, go ahead. Go ahead. But um, there was, you know, when when she. This uh, letter that you're talking about, you're talking about the pay, ga- the pay gap she had?
0: No, this is, this is more recent, just you white know, privilege. And-
4: oh. Well, she had a – her 2013 film American Hustle, she said that uh, there was, she got paid less than the men, even though the men starred more in, in it than her. And uh, Christian Bale gained 40 pounds and got bald for the role. But, I mean, apparently that, that isn't accounted for when she makes her essays. Um she complains
0: she she thinks that the studios pay the actors the studios the studios don't pay the actors. the audience pays the actors yeah and uh, whoever has the longest track record of putting asses in the seats gets the most money which is why matt damon gets so much money for a movie he's just fantastic at getting people to sit down and watch what he does
4: yeah but um then um her new film passengers with chris pratt Mm. chris pratt the main actor gets paid 12 million dollars yeah. She got paid twenty-eight million dollars up front for that movie. Oh yeah. And she doesn't play much of a role in it, admittedly. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it myself. Uh, apparently it's getting bad ratings, so I said no. But uh yeah, that goes to show kind of the uh level of um I, I don't know what to call it. it it's I, I would say hypocrisy, but I, I felt like that amount was a response to her claims in two thousand thirteen. But it's just so weird. I feel so mad and, and knowing that. All she has to do is hint a concern, and no one asks questions about it. Like no one brings up information about. They just like, okay, well, here, here's all this money here uh, to to calm you down, and it, it's just it's just nerve wracking to me. But I mean, right. well, I- explain your thing with Jennifer Lawrence.
0: Okay, so no, it's just I mean, mostly I spend a lot of time around actors. So I'm into theater school and all of that, and in general, the better the actor the less possible it is to have a reasonable conversation with them. The better the actor, the emptier the person. I mean, to fill yourself up with someone else, you have to be pretty empty to begin with. Yeah, And uh, that's just something. And it's like, so for actors in general, you know, just let other people write your words because when you do it, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't usually work out that well. But why, why do they skew to the left? Well, because they, they, they can read the signs. They can read the social signs. If they skew to the left, they will get lots of praise from people on the left, and people on the left are more aggressive, or have been until recently, than people on the right. You know, people on the right don't generally try to organize big boycotts of movies they find offensive, but people on the left will will do so. Uh, people on the right—it was one of the fundamental unfairnesses—is that people on the right uh, generally have jobs, careers, families. You know, people on the left, uh, you know, spend a lot of time dyeing their hair into unnatural shades of hey, I'm crazy colors and mm-hmm. they have lots of time to organize and protest and and they because they've polarized society so much they feel perfectly legitimate inventing whatever psychotic rages they have upon their imagined enemies right I mean like it's like that you see that meme of the guy sweating between pushing the two buttons. you know number one, diversity is our strength. Mm-hmm. Number two, everyone who disagrees with me is a Nazi. It's like well you, yep. you can't have both, I'm afraid. So people in in Hollywood they look at the landscape and they say well I want to have a career and to have a career I have to be popular and to be popular I can't have groups of people willing to vent their psychotic festering hatred upon me from now until the end of time and the only people who do that in general are those on the left so of course they're going to skew left because it's more comfortable and safer to skew left than it is to skew right I mean, if you screw right uh, sorry if you if you skew right <laughs> then people will attack you and and Dedicate their lives to trying to destroy you, and you know, like the the Rush Limbaugh, right? I mean, this this um, radio show host has uh, been doing it for for like decades. I mean, he's got he's got groups. All they do is is contact his advertisers and try and get the advertisers to drop him. This is their job. This is what they do. They try and get radio stations to pull every time he says something. Oh, do you know what Rush Limbaugh said? How can you possibly? play this man's show you've got to drop him and i'm going to organize a boycott and i'm going to contact advertisers at your radio station and i'm going to right i mean it's like it's like Sharknado without the chainsaw i mean it's <laughs> so i mean that's their job now i you know there are people on the left who've tried to do talk radio as ann coulter has pointed out they generally suck at it <laughs> and um uh, and, and But there's not people on the right who just sort of wake up every morning and, oh, I got to check out what this left-leaning guy said and I got to contact his advertisers and I'm going to go through the entire phone book of every station and I'm going to try and get him canceled. And like, they just don't make this their life, their job. You know, people with lives to live just don't waste it and spend it chasing after people they disagree with and trying to destroy them because, you know, we're not insane. Lots of people I disagree with. The idea that I'm sort of going to wake up and... Sweat over what they said, and and formulate a case against them, and and try and get them in trouble. And it's like, oh God, like God, can you do? You, do you not have a life that distracts you from this wastoid pursuit of a non-existence? So yeah, I mean, a, until the right started punching back, sure, the left were the bullies, and people conform to bullies. Uh, and the right were like the reasonable ones who went high, you know, didn't go low. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when, when the left says we go high, they, they have no high to go to. I mean, just look at my presentation on Saul Alinsky's rule for radicals. They, they don't have any standards. They don't have morals. They just do want power. They want their way. And they don't have any. When they say we go high, they're trying to program the right into going high so the left can go low. Right. They're trying to set that up as a standard for the right and they don't care about it themselves. So, the right doesn't obsessively try to ruin people 's lives when they disagree with them, but the left does, yeah, and now that's changing, as I talked about in the in the first call that's changing because, as i've been saying, it's a war, <laughs> people are finally waking up to that,
2: yay, oh, yeah. everyone
0: who's doing it, and damn everyone who's not, but um yeah, I mean the the left historically, the left would target you, and, and the right wouldn't, so of course, you can lean to the left because um. You want a career, you don't want to be right.
4: Yeah, um, I actually actually wanted to, to, to... I was interested in doing voice act, uh, acting, actually. Um, but...
0: Uh, well, you do have a nice set of pipes, I'll tell you oh, that. Oh,
4: thank you. I get that a lot. For even for people who don't know me personally. Um, right. Basically, um, but I was, I was worried because not for money, re- financial reasons, or, um, or uh, competition, or where to move, what to do, how to get an agent... But because the climate is so it, – it's such a – it's a huge echo chamber. It's a huge echo chamber, and I, I, I don't feel like going into that echo chamber.
0: But you can, you can look at it this way. Listen, you can look at it that way, but, you know, with all due respect, I think that's kind of passive. So if you want to be a voice actor or you want that to be part of your skill set, well – Let's say that you are found out as a conservative or something. Well, all that means is that you have to be better. I mean, like all the stuff that I've talked about over the years on this show. Oh, I mean, it's crazy, right? I mean, so all I have to do, given that my arguments to many people are very startling, you know, they may be consistent and rational, but they're startling. So I just have to be better. I have to be better to overcome. We shall. I have to be better to overcome the prejudice that people are going to naturally have against some of the arguments that I make because they're startling or unusual or whatever. So I have to be better. If I'm going to call out libertarians, I have to do it in a way that's really good. <laughs> right? If yeah, I to you, call out leftists, I have to do it in a way that's really, really good. You, you would, and have so just view well. it as okay. Well, uh, you know, maybe, maybe these weird perspectives quote weird perspectives that I have, maybe these conservative perspectives that I have, which are going to seem weird to some of the people in the industry. Maybe that's my spur to be even better at what I do, so they hire me despite themselves because I just I'm so good at what I do they'll be like yeah okay he's a crazy conservative but man does he ever move product or does he ever get advertising for the shows he does or you know they'll you know people will eventually most sane people will eventually follow the money
4: yeah yeah that that that's an interesting point i i'm just i'm just worried that what might end up happening is that i end up getting this this reputation of something that i'm not like if i'm called a, a sexist or, or a bigot and um, that spreads to the point where people are, are again, it, uh, as a huge echo chamber, people are going to be like, no, regardless of what money is presented,
0: um, what yes, money value, monetary I, you value know, I have. Look up, look, sorry to interrupt, look up the history of Ben Garrison. Oh, yeah, and Ben And he's a cartoonist. Yeah, I mean, if, not as if you know it, great. But look up the history of Ben Garrison. Um, and, I mean, if you can survive that. I mean, you know, you can survive just about anything. Mike, did you, you had a question? Sorry, just a sec. Mike had had a question.
1: Yeah, Jordan, real quick. I got a two-part question for you that uh, I want you to answer as quickly as you can. Try to think about it as little as possible, as quick as you can get an answer out there for this two-part question, all right? Okay. What are your priorities and why? What's priority number one and why? Okay.
4: Get through college, uh, because at that point, I would have a plan B uh, in case uh, my main aspirations don't work
1: out. Okay. So if priority one is to get through college, anything that makes it more difficult for you to get through college is negatively impacting your number one priority. Okay. And that in of itself should probably influence your decisions as far as what you do regarding activism, which I appreciate as a goal, and we certainly need more people out there doing activism. But a full awareness of your priorities is really, really important. That, I understand that. Yes. That's all I got.
4: <laughs> okay, okay. Wasn't it a
0: two part question?
4: <laughs> no, that, that what was, was it and why. Question. What was it? In oh, that? and
0: why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: But uh, yeah, um, I'd like to get to college. Uh, thank you for that. Um, thank you, Mike.
1: I ask myself that question all the time whenever I'm, I have conflicting things competing for my time and attention. What is priority number one? And if I can't answer that question, before I spend time going down a bunch of different rabbit holes, I need to figure out what the priority number one is and then focus on that. Because okay. otherwise I just go in 20 different directions and uh, just waste a lot of time. So priority number one and knowing what it is and why at all times is always useful. And that question cannot be asked too often. You can ask it every single morning and it can help okay. realign your day. But uh, yeah, knowing that in general terms over next year, over the next couple years, having that in the back of your head is certainly helpful and can act as a compass for the decisions that you make. Okay, thank you very much.
0: All right, so I'm going to move on to the next caller, but you're welcome back anytime, uh, Jordan. I really, really enjoyed the conversation, and I really appreciate the challenges that you're taking on. Um, and uh, it's a, it's a brave thing to do. I think it's an exciting thing to do. I think it will pay off, but it may pay off a little later in life, and by that I don't mean like forty or something, but like you may have to get out of where you are. But uh, you know there are, you know, people, blacks and, and whites and others who have these perspectives. They may not be all around you, but the you know you will find them, uh, and you will have a great tribe in a sense that thereby. You know, not based fundamentally on color, but on on values. Uh, which, uh, but you know, it's it's tough road uh, at the beginning. It took me a long time to find uh, my right tribe. And uh, some of it's on the internet, some of it's in my life, but uh, it's it's worth it. But it's it's tough at the beginning for sure.
4: All right, okay, thank you very much, Stephen. Stefan, thanks, man. I'm Take
0: sorry. care. That's all right. That's all right. Just just make sure you spell it with four M's in the <laughs> key. <Okay. laughs> thanks, Jordan. Talk to you soon. All right, thank you.
1: All right, up next we have Chris. Chris wrote in and said. With online educational resources as robust as they are now, are we approaching a place where American public schooling will effectively become non-competitive outside of simply social development? I grew up in the public school system and had some great teachers and experiences, but I can see how the availability of information has incredibly shifted. Do you think that public schooling is going to be a waste of time for my kids in three to five years' time? That's from Chris. No.
0: No, 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 no. No, it won't be a waste of your kids' time in three to five years. It's a waste of their time now. (laughs) Why? Why we? Why would Earth? Would we wait three to five years to make that assessment?
5: Hey, uh, hey, Stefan, how you doing? (laughs) I'm well. How you doing? I'm all right. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. My pleasure. I, uh, yeah, no, I mean, so part, part of this comes from my. I'm, I'm 29 now. I've got two kids. I'm married. Um, I'm kind of like living the dream. Um, but uh, I've been like reevaluating a lot of things because, uh, like many people, I think we've had a, a bit of an awakening about just um, some of the things we've been taught growing up. And uh, so I'm like, my, my kids, you know, about almost preschool age, and I'm like, I haven't given any thought to, to the idea of, you know, public versus private versus homeschool. Is um, such a guy. I know, I
0: know. There was no way to see this coming, was there? Was there? <laughs> so no now, possible
5: way. I'm like, I should hit the books
0: on this. <laughs> Until the lump on my head is bigger than my head, I'm not going to see the doctor. Come on, I'll just walk it off. I Come know. On.
5: So I'm. So I'm really. I'm starting to give this some thought now. And I'm like, oh shoot, <laughs> like what? So so I mean, I I agree that there that there's certainly some some issues with public school, but I mean, have, have we really reached the point where where we think that that homeschooling? Because I mean, when I was growing up, you know, the the whole school kids that interact with her were tend to be a bunch of weirdos um but uh and there I think were that
0: right maybe when you were a kid maybe i was the weirdo who knows No, uh, no. what i mean is that it, it may have been because you were in government schools they would have seemed weird to you but if you met them now i mean right you know, with your mindset now they may not Right, you know, exactly. They may not seem as weird now, sort of. so, but go on.
5: So, yeah, so that's kind of where, where my head's at with that. And I, I kind of wanted to – I know you, you um, have mentioned some shows that you have kids, and I and, uh, just kind of wanted to pick your brain about what you think about uh, the pros and cons of, of public schooling versus homeschooling versus private schooling uh, and all that.
0: Public schooling is, is, to me, an utterly toxic environment, mm-hmm. an utterly toxic environment, uh, particularly these days. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't I can't even tell you just – I mean – is, is sex, sexual education, education about sexual matters. Sorry, <laughs> that's, that's my fucking job. That's my job. It's my job. I don't want, like, uh, the values associated with sexuality are so deep and so important that the idea that I would turn this over to some cracked up proto-feminist social justice warrior chick uh, on a government pension, uh, on a government salary, ah, uh, uh, madness. Um... I think, particularly if you have boys, I mean, just read Christina Hoff Sommers' book, "The War on Boys." I mean, education is brutal on boys these days. I mean, I've heard reports of you know boys being forced to admit they're in the patriarchy when they're like eight or seven years old. Like, this is like Soviet-style indoctrination. It is, it is toxic. It was bad when I went, but at least it was boring and bad. Now it's like horrifying and guilty and guilt ridden and shaming and ugh. I mean it's just horrifying.
5: Yeah, and I, I have oh. I have one boy and 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 one girl.
0: Um, the boy And you lose control of their peers. You lose control. like, you know, there's some studies, oh that's the peer impact, the peer group is what matters, not the parenting. Yeah, right. Like parents don't choose the peers. You choose to put your kid in government schools, you get government school peers for your children, and the peers do have a big influence. Of course they do. Of course they do because, well, for two reasons. One is that they're, you know, closer in age and you, your kids are going to end up interacting a lot more with their peers than they are with you when you put them in government schools. That's sort of number one. And number two, of course, your child can't process the fact that you might have chose chosen dangerous peers for him because, you know, <laughs> you're supposed to be the person taking care and keeping them safe and so on. Let me drop you into this rat's nest of horrifying sociopathic degradation. <laughs> Because that's what I did. So here we go. I, I read a story and, you know, I call upon the collective wisdom of the planet to, to give me this. Uh, thanks for the people who helped me find the airplane movie quote that I was talking about last time. Please, my friends, help me with this, uh, which is uh, I read a story many years ago about a boy being bullied. A boy was being bullied. And his father ended up being given the opportunity to switch places with him like a freaky friday kind of thing switch minds and he did and i just i remember at the end of it it was just like and and the bullies came howling around the corner and this kid the the kid with the adult mind was frozen in in terror and so on Uh, and uh if anyone can tell me the story i'd love to read it again um but yeah it's uh it's rough In, in the past it was just brutal and boring now it's Brutal and boring and terrifyingly indoctrinating. Because at least the brutal and boring stuff you can outgrow, but the indoctrination shapes you for life, right? You know what the Jesuits say: "Give me a, mm. give me a child when until he's seven and he's mine for life." You know, and and uh, oh God, no! I mean, I would not. Uh, um, you know, plus if there are racial tensions and oh my yeah, God, no, I would not. Uh, I would not subject my. Um, I would not subject my kids to this, and and of course. This, you know, why are these, why, like, sorry, remember, hey, remember when I used to have some eloquence, (laughs) too many thoughts (laughs) colliding in the brain, Um, but there's a video, I think Paul Joseph Watson posted it on Twitter, you know, it's some young, I guess man would be the closest approximation, and you can hear over the loudspeakers, you know, the Trump Inaugurated as the 45th president of the United States. And he literally, William Shatner can style.
5: No, you know I the just camera. saw that. I just saw no. that while I was waiting. And, yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. Really
0: you funny. know, this this is this is the cry of a kid left at daycare when he knows what's coming. Why has he so little emotional self-control? Why is he so unable to manage his own emotions? Well, first of all, he's raised by women, right? Raised by women. I guarantee you raised by women, Um, women respond to problems emotionally, men respond to problems analytically. This is not just my theory or common sense. (laughs) This is actual, actual studies have shown different areas of the brain are activated by threats or problems for men and women. Women it's the emotional center, with men it's the analytical center. That's not true for everyone and blah-de-blah, usual bell curve stuff, right, just need to put the disclaimer in every time. But uh, yeah, he's responding emotionally to an event that he perceives as as threatening, and he has no capacity to deal with this in any rational way. There is no interception from his neofrontal cortex to his emotional system. Can't interrupt it, can't analyze it. Where did that come from? I guarantee you, I guarantee you, this poor young man, this poor young man raised by kids, put in daycare really early really early. You do not learn emotional self-control from your peers. You learn emotional self-control from your parents. And if your parents are dumping you in daycare, and I've worked in a daycare, I don't know them all, but I sure as hell know some. Uh, and um, you're not going to learn any emotional self-control. You're not going to learn any capacity to interrupt your emotions. These are giant infants. And I, I, you know, this sounds like an insult. I, I mean this virtually literally, and I mean this with great sympathy. Giant infants. <laughs> this um, either either gender is toxic in overdose. Either gender is toxic in overdose, and we have been overdosing children on femininity for like two generations, mm-hmm. and it's re- it's reached toxic. Boner-killing estrogen levels of poison. Oh, yeah. Way, way too much chickety chick stuff going on in child-rearing these days. As the old saying goes, women raise good children, men raise good adults. And these, these poor kids, toxic, overloaded, hyper-femininity I mean, they've they've become caricatures of femininity in the same way that really can be gay guys can be caricatures of femininity. They've just, they've, it, it's like there's nowhere for them to go. They, they They can't be women. They can't be hysterical women, and they can't be men because they haven't had any robust male influences in their life. And without the balance, you know, <laughs> I mean, we're a case K-selected species. We're supposed to stay together and raise our children. That's what we're for. That's what we're supposed to do. This radical experiment where you hack out the male side of the parental equation is turning into an unbelievable disaster. Well, not that unbelievable if you know basic biology and evolution and so on, but um, it is, it is really toxic. And if you... You know, babies can't self-soothe, right? They cry until their needs are satisfied. If they're hungry, then they'll cry until they get fed. And if they're cold, they'll cry until. If they're hurt, they'll cry until. So babies have no capacity for self-soothing. And they learn how to self-soothe by being soothed by their parents. Guess what? Put your kid in daycare. There's not a lot of soothing going on. (laughs) And so the emotions continue to escalate and escalate and escalate until depression or violence, or both. When the left have no capacity to self-soothe, which is why they view everything in these hysterical, hyper-dangerous, literally shaking, can't breathe. He's Hitler, everyone's Hitler. I mean, this is the world they live in. It's a terrifying world, a terrifying world. They, They live in a nightmare in their minds. Because they've no capacity to self-soothe. Because they weren't parented competently. They were dumped in the Lord of the Rings sack of shit known as daycare. They never taught how to self-soothe. And they have whispering paranoid females around them all the time. There's danger out there. Donald Trump is a Nazi. He's a racist. Danger. Windowless vans roaming the neighborhood, snatching up children with death rays. Men are dangerous. There's this patriarchy out there. It's going to get you. Ooh, there's racism everywhere. Scary, dangerous stuff. Of course women are very scared of things because they're vulnerable. They're small. They're weak. Men want to have sex with them. Sometimes they're not very nice men. Women are vulnerable by pregnancy, by childbirth, by breastfeeding, by having children, which is why they're kind of nervous, right? <laughs> and that nervousness is supposed to guide them to a strong male protector. Without that strong male protector, they run to the state. Guess what? It doesn't help. It doesn't help the emotions. Women. Without, women with children in particular, but women without husbands, they're like a raw nerve. You have like a sore tooth where, like even if you inhale quickly, if you've got porous enamel and the cold air hits your tooth nerve, women are jumpy, women are nervous, women are small and weak, Uh, physically, mentally, fine, you know, but you know what I'm saying. And this nervousness that women have is natural. Man, if I were half my size and regularly disabled by childbirth, breastfeeding, and child raising, I'd be pretty damn nervous too. And women find security in a strong male provider. It's um, There's a great line from uh, Tennessee Williams' uh, Streetcar Named Desire. She's something like I this woman, unmarried, wants a man to take care of her once. She's like I thought that you would be a hole that I could crawl into and be safe, she says to this man, something like it. And she's crazy. Stressed, strained. This is why women are going nuts in middle age. It's stressful being a woman without a strong male protector. It's stressful you're alarmed, you're freaking out a lot. There's no condemnation at all. It's just basic facts. And the guy I was talking about earlier in the last call, the guy who, one of the smartest guy, he's the guy who taught me this. I remember it distinctly. Like 30 years ago, we were walking down the street. I sneezed, and the woman ahead of me Jumped, and I was like, "Oh, she's kind of jumpy." And he's like, "Well, she's a woman." (laughs) It was nighttime, right? And I'm like, "Well, why?" I don't. She said, "Okay, well, you're almost six foot tall. You're 190 pounds. You're solid. You know, do you ever feel like people are just gonna jump you?" I said, "God, no, (laughs) no." He's like, "Well, imagine if you thought that, and imagine if you were like half your size." And everywhere you moved around the world, there were people eyeing you who wanted to grab you or paw at you or have sex with you. I said, are you saying you don't want to have sex with me? Right? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> but, but imagine. He said, and, and a really, like we talked about this for quite a while. And he was right. He was right. I'm not talking Ronda Rousey, although she might have needed a strong male protector in her last fight. But in general, if you want to have kids, I mean, you know, you're a dad. I mean, how, how good would your wife have been at hunting three days after giving birth?
5: <laughs> not great.
0: <laughs> Bait, maybe, but not <laughs> right? Not hunting, right? So, and, you know, she's, isn't she tired a lot? I mean, oh, when, you, oh, when your yeah. kids were babies. Oh, yeah. Exhausting. Exhausting. I mean, you're lucky to get two hours sleep at a time. It's, it's called mommy brain. Oh, yeah, it's real. It's a real thing. You ever see, you ever see, you ever see a, a new mom try and leave the house? Oh, I forgot this. Oh, I forgot that. It's like they need to tape a <laughs> tile GPS tracker on their brains. And I say this with massive affection. Love that women make these sacrifices. It's a beautiful thing. I couldn't do it. If I don't get less than, if I get less than seven hours, man, you don't even want to be around me. But when you put your kids in daycare, you're putting them in female paranoia land. So and what? and and people are exploiting, authority. people are exploiting all of this stuff too, because there's the natural nervousness of women in the world. Uh, Mindy Lahiri, or the Mindy, the Mindy Project. She, she, I mentioned this before. I watched a show of hers. It was okay, but uh, mostly for the guy who was in damages. But anyway, um, you know, someone comes into her. She leaves the door open. Someone's coming over, and they just open the door and come into her apartment. She lives in New York. She grabs this knife. Oh, a serial killer! <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a joke, but it's also not a joke. Oh, I'm gonna die. <laughs> Oh, God, someone's going to rape me, right? Um, And so there is that natural nervousness. But then there are all these assholes who come in and pump that to the max. Rape culture is all around you. Patriarchy is holding you down. Men secretly hate you and want to rape you. I mean, it's like, God almighty. You know, there may be some... You know, there may be some legitimate tension between different ethnicities in general, on average. You know, maybe, maybe not. But there sure are a lot of assholes out there pumping that to the max, right? So, I, uh, I would not expose my children to toxic levels of female paranoia. And that's, I think, where a lot of this social justice warrior stuff is coming from. The world is so dangerous. Donald Trump is dangerous. He's Hitler. I mean, this is the natural female nervousness that is supposed to help women find strong and safe and secure providers so they can flourish and be happy, turned up to the max and then coughed up, vomited up into the helpless throats of little boys and little girls. And then they grow up, and they have no capacity to self-soothe, and they look at the world as an extremely dangerous place. Where the hell does that come from? The world is safer now in North America than it's ever been anywhere at any time in history. Violence is down. Child abductions is down. Child abuse is down. Theft is down. Robberies are down. As the world's getting safer, everyone's getting more terrified. Why? Why? <laughs> Because women are raising them. And women freak out. I mean, dear God. loose a mouse at a feminist meeting. (laughs) Ah! I mean, even Phyllis Schlafly, a goddess of strength in many ways, was hilarious about this. She she wrote some article. Ah, yes, we were talking about, you know, all these women were talking and the men were in the next room talking all about how to save the world and how to do this and that. A mouse got loose and everything... Happened exactly as you would imagine. The women all jumped up on the chairs. And the men got the brooms.
3: (laughs) Ah, there's a mouse in here.
0: (laughs) Right? It's, men and women are delightfully different. Women are a little jumpy. (laughs) And that's fine. And that's natural. And that's healthy. But, uh... I think we got just a little bit too much of it over the past little while. And some of the social justice warrior stuff, this hysteria, well, that's separating children from their moms. It's whatever damage occurs from not being breastfed, and it's putting children in a dangerous environment run by women who are naturally nervous to begin with. How on earth are you going to develop the kind of robustness that people in the past had? No, it's not. It's not natural. None of this shit is natural. Government schools are not natural. Daycare is not natural. So, yeah, you 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 might want to find some alternatives. I'm not saying not around daycare. I'm kids at home, but that's my thought.
5: Yeah. So then, I guess that that brings me then to so what? Like, what is the modern? alternative because i don't i don't want my kid to grow up you know totally totally cloistered like okay they have mom and dad we care we set boundaries we set restrictions we you know we we have a good time and all that but like to interact with other kids on a regular basis like what is what is like the modern alternative to that they can't go to gym why,
0: why do you want your kids to interact with other kids on a regular basis make the case for me
5: for i guess social uh, development
0: what kind of kids Ooh, what do you mean what kind of kids kids their age i mean i'm not I, you know obviously is not. that is that how you choose your friends <laughs> well they're my age obviously not the only come on and move in you know, obviously not the only criteria I'd, i'm gonna put you in my will because you're equal to my current year point taken um
5: but but there's there is some there is some value, there is some value like in responded. social and social interaction um especially as as, as young as they are um and I just don't know. Like, what, what's the the modern uh,
0: what, what's the modern equivalent of that? Well, oh, like, hang on, hang on. We we're kind of jumping past this one, right? Do they do they not know other kids? Um, or do you not know kids their age? This is not a an attack. I'm no, like, why the hell? Just no,
5: no, Like specifically, no, not really. We, uh, uh, we we have basically like a there's like a jamboree thing. We'll take uh, we'll take the oldest two, and and she'll meet some kids there. But it's not like a it's a it's a group function, and then and that's basically it.
0: Right. Right. Um, you want your children to have quality interactions, right? Not just horizontal interactions. Yes. I mean if there was if there was some kid in the neighborhood who wet his bed liked setting fire to things and torturing animals, you wouldn't be like, Well, you know, same age. So off you go to the play date for hell, right? <laughs> I mean it's it's the quality of the interactions you want your kids to be experiencing, right? Mm-hmm. So So find parents that you don't have to hide anything from, right? I mean, find parents who share your values, you know, reason, philosophy, evidence, hopefully peaceful parenting and all that sort of good stuff, Mm -hmm. and have your kids, you know, have your kids hang out with their kids, right? I I don't don't socialize with non-peaceful parents. I don't. Let my daughter hang out with kids who are not raised that way. Why would I? I just had this whole speech earlier about taking your values seriously. Right? You, you can't just go dump your kids in government schools where they're going to be among kids who've been terrified with religious dogma, who've been beaten, who've been abused, who may have even been sexually abused. You've got no control over that environment. I mean, you wouldn't let 20 random people babysit your daughter, right? Right. So why would you want to put her in an environment where you can't control or have no effect over who's going to be interacting with her and what kind of values and what kind of experiences are going to be transferred to her?
5: And you're blowing my mind right now.
0: But you get it right,
5: yeah. No, I, I do. That's, and that's the thing is I just I hadn't put in that stark of terms, and I just sort of accepted daycare and and you know school as
0: as just like inevitability. Uh, but and it's funny, right? Because you, you know we think we're red pilled. There's always another red pill for me too. There's always wow. <laughs> another red pill, right? But yeah, of course you get this. This is the big sell, right? This is the big cell. Well, they've got to be socialized. What? well, you know, I, I better get myself arrested, get get myself to prison because <laughs> I got to be socialized. <laughs> well, but yeah, when, but how and what based on what values? And you wouldn't let your kids eat whatever the hell they want. You wouldn't let them watch whatever the hell they want. And they don't even get to choose who is going to be around them in these situations, or these environments. And you, as far as socialization goes, for me, I mean, i just tell you this. I, I don't have any proof for this. This is just my opinion, right? I mean, I don't. This is not empirical. Children learn to socialize from their parents, not from other children, which doesn't mean that there's not value in having my daughter has friends and, and they come over and sleep and play. It's great. It's great. But socialization, that's just play. And it's fine and it's great and I love it and it makes me giggle and till milk comes out my nose, but, but the socialization part, well, that's complicated, right? How do you, how do you socialize? How do you have a conversation? You know, kids, oh, kids these days, don't I sound young, but kids really have a tough time having conversations in the modern age. Now, when I was a kid, I was always thirsty for adult conversation. I like stalk adults, right? I just like stalk them. I remember being six years old in Africa in the back of a car and there was an adult who was an engineer who was willing to chat with me and I was like, oh, thank God, I finally made contact with an adult. This is like pulling a date with Sofia Vergara in her prime. Oh, I can chat with an adult. And remember he was telling me how electricity was made. I remember very clearly, I said to him, But why wouldn't you make, like, why wouldn't you build an electricity plant to make electricity? Because that seemed compatible to me, you know, input-output, right? You you don't put wine in your filter to make water. You put water in, right? Why, Why wouldn't you do that? And he, you know, you know what he said as well as I do. He said, well that would be an increase in the amount of energy. Like if you put electricity in, you'd use up the electricity to make the electricity. Some of it would be lost through friction. You'd end up with less electricity. I'm like, got it. (laughs) But, but, and I kept coming up with objections, not because I didn't get it, but just because I was thrilled to be talking to an adult. Because mostly when I was a kid, you just got to watch adults having conversations. My mom was a big one for, here's the encyclopedia of my children's illnesses, which I will go to in excruciating detail, but um, I didn't learn how to have conversations from other children I ended up learning how to have conversations from books thanks Enid Blyton <laughs> but uh, when it comes to socialization what are other children going to teach your children you wouldn't let other children teach your children math, you wouldn't let other children teach your children language or spelling because they're kids, <laughs> they don't know how to teach your kids, even if they have the knowledge, they don't know how to teach it. How are your children going to learn how to have a conversation? Certainly not these days by being around other children who've got their faces buried in Minecraft 19 hours out of the day. When this tablet thing, it's brutal. The tablet, I want a whole rant about it. I'll do it another time. Oh, The tablet thing is
5: it's actually a good segue. My my second question was in regards to uh, to basically screen time and and you know how much is too much for these kids because like we're we keep it super restricted for for my oldest. Um, mm. but, I mean obviously how old uh, she's almost three,
0: right? Um, well, they say nothing. I think none to two or none. That's what I think. I mean, you can look up the recommendation. I don't know how yeah. like what their what it, methodology it, they're using, but
5: yeah, what I, what I read is basically that. Um, uh, like an hour is is about max and then mm-hmm. after that it causes developmental it can it can cause developmental issues but but again i'm also like i'm I'm in this weird place now where i'm like i don't know what sources to trust anymore i'm like i'm just reading. oh
0: yeah no, i know you gotta just trust your gut and listen to your kids and see how their behavior is going but the tablet thing is rough and and the tablets can be great um my wife and i my my <laughs> sorry my wife and i love playing scrabble Uh, On a tablet, it's just a little easier than the blocks sometimes. But um, with with electronics, the the challenge is, of course, it's isolating. And there's a little bit of hand eye coordination. There's a little bit of sort of quick thinking, reward, and all that kind of stuff. But it's very isolated. Mm -hmm. It's very isolated. I mean, we've all been in this situation where you're sitting at a dinner. And you see, you know, four teenagers at a dinner table and they're all staring at their phones or their tablets, right? Hey. That's weird. And I, yeah, I've got young people who will say to me, yeah, I went over to a party, nobody was talking. Couldn't even turn any music on because they were trying to listen to something on YouTube. So basically, here's your party, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's staring at a tablet and nobody's talking. But it's okay. Because there are chips in the dip you can use to smear the tablet screen so it looks vintage. Uh, that's rough. That's rough. That's pretty square. The tablet thing is, is rough. I mean, it's rough on the kids' bodies. It's rough on their posture. It's rough on their social skills. It's rough on their reading. I mean, it's brutal on a lot. And there are some positives, don't get me wrong. Some positives. But... It is also, I mean, the drug, to me, the, the, the drug of tablets is not even for the kids. It's for the parents. I need something to do. Here's a tablet, right? I need to do something. I've got am going to be busy. Here's a tablet, right? Mm-hmm. So that your kid isn't coming in every three minutes saying, are you done yet? Are you done yet? Are you done yet? Are you done yet, friend? Right? <laughs> Here, I'm knocking you out with a tablet. It's like a tranquilizer dot. <laughs> oh, Slitherio, I'm down. Right, so the drug to me is is really the parents now, I view the tablet as a worthy competitor i mean I don't mean to frame everything in terms of competition, but I like to up my game, so if my daughter's doing something on a tablet, I'll set myself the task of weaning her off the tablet with a great conversation Tonight. it was. She's a saver. She likes to save her money. And I said, uh, "What what would you, what would it take for you to give your money, some some part of your money to someone else?" Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I said, "Really? Somebody's starving in a ditch. You won't give them the price of a loaf of bread?" Oh, fine, I'd do that. And then you know she'll look up, and I, I'm like reeling in a fish here, right? Well, what about this circumstance? What about this? What about if somebody was sick? If somebody was sick, would you give them money for medicine if it would say, if you could afford it and save their life? Yes. What if they were sick from smoking? No. <laughs> right? I mean, I have to. You know, it's like it's like hunting the big game. Can you can you reel in a conversation when the gravity well of a tablet is pulling their attention away? I view that as a a worthy challenge. Um, I, I know. I mean, one of our friends um, no uh, no video games at all video games at all. Um, I don't. Like, I don't know the answer. I mean, do you just say no to it all? Well, you know, that's like saying no to sugar, right? I mean, I don't know. At some point, they're going to encounter them, and should they have learned how to manage the addictive qualities before? I think there's an argument for that. Mm-hmm. Um, tablets, to a large degree, have erased the great furnace of youthful creativity called mind-numbing boredom. <laughs> No, seriously. I mean, I don't know what it was like for you when you were a kid. I mean, from the age of, like from the moment I could be legally left alone, I was. And I remember summers in particular, um, just being so bored. I'd go to the library and I'd read, read forever. And, uh, I mean, that was great. But so bored. I was so bored. I like, I started writing scripts I'd get friends over and we'd, mm-hmm. we'd enact space operas on cassette recorders and play them back. And, you know, like, I mean, I started writing my first novel by the light of an alien sun. It was called, I started writing my first novel when I was 11 or 12 to, to a large degree out of boredom. I learned how to program computers out, out of boredom. I'm bored of Star Raiders, which was a great game, by the way. And the guy never made a penny who wrote it. It's just weird. But I'm bored of asteroids on the Atari 800. And and so I'm going to learn how to program games because I'm bored of the games that are there. And boredom is the great furnace of creativity that can literally last a lifetime. And tablets scrub boredom but they scrub creativity because you're passive, you're receiving, you're working in somebody else's dimension, somebody else's paradigm. And so that's one of my, uh, my concerns as well. But it's funny too, because in in my day it was television. Television was the, the big, the big problem. And this sort of goes back to your question of socialization. I remember, um, Doctor Who was the big thing when I was a kid. It was strangely terrifying, the Daleks in particular. Like, it was creepy and weird. I don't know if it, I mean, I know there's a new revival. I'm still too chicken to watch that shit. But, um, <laughs> but I remember that there was a, a kid in my school. Wow, well, which school? I was, it was after boarding school before I came to Canada. So it would have been a local government school when I was between the ages of eight and ten. 9 and 10, sorry, 9 and 10. And there was Doctor Who, and and kids would watch it, and I'd sort of make myself watch some of it at least. But but the reason being that the, the next day, all the kids would be talking about Doctor Who. And if you didn't have a TV, whew, man, you had nothing to say. And and you were outed as like a freak whose parents didn't have a TV. Uh, that's not fair, right? But that's the way it, it was. So as far as screen time goes, I find that um, my my she's a little inert sometimes. Like she just doesn't want to do new things. But if I'm sort of like, come on, come on, you know, like let's let's go on a hike to a frozen pond and let's see if we can stand on it, the edge, mind you, <laughs> where it's safe And she's like, no, no, no. Finally, get around. She's like, oh, this is great. <laughs> come on. Can I introduce you to you 20 minutes ago? But um, just get them up, get them moving, and be cooler than the tablet, right? I mean, and that to me is the important thing. And, and you know, there are times when I'll sort of suggest, yeah, you know, now probably a good time to read a book or whatever, right? But um, that is, um, that to me is one of the big challenges. The same thing with the Xbox, the PS4 and so on. The games are so incredibly complicated and sophisticated that you really can't do much to code your own. Like when I was a kid, you could code your own games and it actually could be pretty cool. But, um, I mean, I remember uh, taking a course, uh, on how to read and write floppy disks at a, um, uh, a byte by byte level. And, uh, after the class I was uh, working on a video game and I was accused of playing video games when you should be working. It's like, that's actually my video game. The instructor didn't believe me, so I, you know, I broke the code. I stepped in through it. I showed him my comments, my name. He's like, "Whoa, you couldn't do that now, right? Kids, stop playing X game. right? Stop playing some game. No, no, this is the one I'm working on here. Let me break the code and show you." It's like, "No, that's not gonna, that's not gonna happen." So, those are, um, are my thoughts. Um, but yeah, as far as socialization goes, that's your job. Um, other kids are even in the past. It was tough to get kids. To have conversations now, in the age of the tablet and the video game, you know, kids' interactions are both of them button mashing, staring at a screen. Uh, or, or, you know, maybe being in the same Minecraft environment. I don't know. But um, I think expecting kids to teach your kids anything about socialization is like expecting them to teach them ancient Aramaic or something. I just, I don't think that's how it's going to mm-hmm.
5: go. So do we do we see any value then in in not just you know the the interaction with the kids, but in the interaction with the with the teachers.
0: What in the government schools? <laughs> yeah,
5: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I know the. I think I know the answer.
0: Did to that you question. not hear what <laughs> I said? <laughs> did you? When did but, you tune out, my friend? Right, right. No,
5: that's,
0: no that's I, the in thing. fact, like, I would I would view the, the the teachers as far more toxic than the children in general, because the teachers have authority, whereas the other kids don't. Did you have any great teachers when you were in government school?
5: I did. And that, that was, I mean, that's part of the, you know, the, the good experiences that, that I had there. But looking back on it, I can I can also count them on one hand.
0: Uh, and yeah, the- I had like one or two out of like 18, you know, like 15 years, 16, 14 years or so. Well, 13 years, I guess. And not counting sort of preschool. But yeah, I had like two out of, what, 100? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's pretty bad. And they weren't even like, they didn't even teach me anything that important. They were just kind of enthusiastic and yep. cool, right? Yeah. But it wasn't like, and they taught me this amazing truth about life. And, <laughs> you know, well, they weren't depressed or mean, which was the sort of the two poles of teachers in general.
5: Hmm. Well, damn it. When you're right, you're right.
0: So many options. You know, so many options. I mean, think of tutoring. I mean, if, if you can get a tutor in for a day, if like for, for two hours, you know, I mean, if you want to teach your kids, I don't know. I don't know if it's great for parents. I, I, you know, this unschooling, homeschooling thing with the parents, some, some, some of it works, but I think it's children naturally chafe at the authority of their parents. That's good. You want that, right? That means that they can outgrow you, which is sort of your whole point, right? Not leave you behind, but, you know, they can be self-sustaining. So children naturally chafe against the authority of their parents. So I don't know if it's that great to have parents teach kids. Maybe that's just my experience or what I've seen, but that's sort of my experience and I don't have any, it gets no proof of any of that. That's just sort of my, my thought. But, um, you know, two two hours of tutoring is going to get your kid much more knowledge than six or seven hours in a government school where they're just sitting in a row and daydreaming, right? <laughs>
5: Learning about photosynthesis over and over.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, dear Lord. Oh good we get to go over the scientific method again. <laughs> yeah that's Oh it. good we get to go <laughs> over thesis and antithesis synthesis again. Yeah yeah Hegel is alive love is alive all right so it is uh yeah i mean just to me it's it's all about quality not not quantity and uh kids can uh, can learn incredibly fast with one on one attention which is you know how kids just try and reproduce as much as possible what was going on in the past and in the past the tribe did not teach children sitting in You know three by ten rows with a squeaky whiteboard and no access to the air right i mean (laughs) you would go out and do right you would go out and hunt with your here's here's how the tribe does this and you'd go out and you'd do stuff and you'd be part you think of farming right you'd go out with your dad and your mom and your farm and milk the cows and do whatever ungodly stuff happens on farms but it wasn't you know just sitting there and being passive receptacles. I mean, that's all. You know, that all comes from, and you can read John Taylor Gatto on this. It all comes from the Prussian model. It all comes from trying to turn children into good little soldiers and factory workers and, you know, dead eyed soulless automatons of the proto capitalist elite. And you don't want that model inflicted on your kids, um, especially if it's different at home. They'll look at you like, Dad, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> what, why? And then they get older they find, oh, you, you were skeptical of state power? What? <laughs> and you put me in government schools? The state is an agency of immorality and the initiator of force? And you, you handed me over to be educated by people you defined as immoral? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Good luck with your teenage years, my friends. Well, when you put it that way. <laughs> Live your values like they matter, right? That's all I keep saying.
5: Well, damn it! Uh, I mean, I don't actually have any more questions on this topic. I think you actually Good. you kind of hit it on, yeah. on the head, and I appreciate uh, your advice. and And
0: uh, will you let let us know how it goes? What you decide?
5: I ab- absolutely will. I'll, I'll let uh, I'll let Mike know how it goes, and uh, and I'll be in touch. I'm I'm in the middle of reading. Uh, what is it? Uh, your uh, your your paper? Uh,
0: Universal. Uh, uh, a universally preferable behavior, a rational proof of secular ethics, available at freedomainradio.com slash free. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I I'm, should never start that mid-breath. I need a full inhale for that one, but go on.
5: It's a mouthful. Uh, but, yeah, I'm in the middle of that, and uh, I'll let you guys know how, what I think about it towards the end. And I just appreciate your time and, and what you guys are doing out here, and, uh, you know, keep on
0: keeping on. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Mike, what did what did Mike Srinovich say about Twitter? Rewired his brain?
1: Yeah, something to that effect. Just, you Spend so much time focusing on specific tweets, and this—I mean, what's the attention span for a single tweet? What? How many seconds is that? And, you know, and I'm
0: sorry. Sp- what did you say at the beginning of that? No, I get. The <laughs> <thing you do. laughs>
1: But yeah, I, I kind of feel it too, where it's like, okay, let me check my Twitter feed, see what's going on. Okay. Da, 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 da. And after a while, it's just like, I, I'm starting to think, and like, okay, that was a fraction of a second to read that tweet and process. If I found it amusing enough to, you know, maybe save or do something with, like... <laughs> what's you this know a what valuable like, kernel like... of information that I will store yeah. in my Evernote? <laughs> No, okay. K- kernel is just what
0: I was thinking about. To me, Twitter is like, I like corn on the cob, right? I like a nice, slow chew on the corn of the cob, right? But to me, Twitter is like a tiny little cannon shooting individual kernels at the back of my throat at high high velocity. Don't turn your head. Don't close your mouth. Don't breathe. But yeah, so that's uh, it, it's a little different. So I have to limit my exposure. Appreciate your call and appreciate everyone's call. Always a great pleasure to chat with you all. And please don't forget, to blow past and stop at freedomainradio.com slash donate to help out the show. Very, very important. More essential now than ever. There's so much more work to be done moving forward. So that's freedomainradio.com slash donate. And um, follow me on Twitter at Stefan Molyneux, FDRpodcast.com for the shows, and uh, com slash Amazon to uh, do your shopping and throw us a little bit of money. costs you nothing really appreciate your time, really appreciate your time, really appreciate your time. There, I said it three times and that's my exit. Have yourself a wonderful, wonderful weekend. We will talk to you soon.